on only playbook fans it is officially playoff season for the nfl the fantasy world is over the real football begins now and we are still here to talk all about it we're going to recap the last week of the nfl the regular season a lot of games did not really matter at all some games had some implications so we'll try to highlight the games that matter and we're going to hand out our year-end awards for fantasy football so uh a lot of good stuff to cover today i have full house shashot is here uh, got some time off from doing his doctor stuff. Show it, usual suspects. How are you guys doing here after the regular season? This is the last episode of 2022 regular season football. Doing pretty good. I mean, it's sad, but uh, playoffs it should be fun. I mean, there's a lot of good, good competition coming up. So you know, just uh, it's been good, good year so far. Yeah, if there's one word to describe it, it's not sad for me. It's fucking relieved. I am so relieved. That was that was a crazy end to my NFL regular season because I got to barely watch a couple of weeks and I was panicking. Like people are like, "Are you okay? Like why are you like looking at your phone so much?" I'm like, "You wouldn't understand, man. You wouldn't understand." Yeah, dude, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine having to go from like football being you know everything and anything to just like you're forced to not have it be that. Like it's a hobby. Just, it's just such a, a drastic. Yeah, it's just such a drastic shift. I would be like, what? How do I even do this? Like, I don't even know. But you don't. Um, you don't do it. Yeah. You're still doing it. You're still doing it. And you're still on the episodes that you can make. So obviously, given the only playbook your time, we are greatly appreciative of that. Um, without further ado, let's let's kick things off, guys. Let's run through water cooler talk. With the playoffs officially set, let's run through the matchups in the first round. In the AFC, the Chiefs officially secured the first round by they are no longer they're not going to play a game uh in the first round so they get to rest up get their guys healthy so the number two seed is the buffalo bills they are going to be hosting a divisional rival the miami dolphins uh still some injury concerns there whether they're going to have Tua. if they don't have Tua, i mean does anybody really expect that to be a game even if they have Tua, in my opinion i don't really expect that to be a game uh but Buffalo is two versus Miami, who is the seventh seed. Cincinnati is the third seed. They're going to be hosting the Baltimore Ravens, which, again, that situation is weird. Who's their quarterback going to be? If it's not Lamar Jackson, again, does anybody really expect the Ravens to win that game in Cincinnati? No. I don't know. Uh, number four seed, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who won that matchup in Week 18 against Tennessee. They are hosting a playoff game, uh, and this one probably is the best matchup in the AFC. They're going to host the L.A. Chargers, so um, a battle of two young quarterbacks up and coming offenses hopefully that can get things going uh that should be a fun matchup uh with the four and five seed over in the nfc the eagles got the bye as you know we expected them to they kind of had it all year got a little scary at the end but they took care of business number two seed the san francisco 49ers with brock purdy big cock brock at the helm they are going to host the uh the seattle seahawks so another divisional matchup they've already played twice san francisco's won two times in a row so that's why that's the only narrative that i'm latching on to that leads me to believe this isn't going to be a blowout you know division games third time you're playing the same team anything can happen uh the minnesota vikings got the number three seed they're going to host an nfl or in a playoff game in their new stadium they're going to take on the new york giants already played the giants once this uh, year had to win the game with the 61 yard field goal so um, i'm expecting this matchup to be that just that close it's going to come down to the wire and i have no idea who's going to end up winning uh and the tampa bay buccaneers the ugly disgusting 2022 season tampa bay buccaneers still win their division tom brady gets a home playoff game and obviously they get to face the dallas cowboys so i'm sure i'm sure cowboys fans are sweating that's probably not the best first round matchup i mean honestly honestly i probably would have played the vikings the giants the seahawks even the 49ers over the buccaneers in the playoffs just because it's tom brady on the other side and, and shit man in the playoffs it, it's it's terrifying whether he's 45 or 25 um, that is the playoff picture for this um, 
for 2022, I guess. And real quickly, let's run through the draft order. Um, the biggest thing that we'll highlight is the fact that the Houston Texans had the opportunity to get the number one overall pick, and they did not do that. They won their game by going for two, so they officially handed, Lovey Smith handed his former team the number one overall pick. The Chicago Bears are going to have the first round pick. They're going to have over $100 million in cap space, and they have their quarterback of the future. So look out for that Chicago Bears team in 2023. Houston has the number two pick. Um, they do also have another first round pick, so maybe they're not as concerned about getting the first overall pick Arizona with Kyler Murray there who knows if he's going to stay there uh Cliff Kingsbury's fired so they got a brand new regime they're going to draft third Indianapolis with another quarter or another coach that's probably not going to be there next year gets the fourth pick and Seattle gets the fifth pick despite being in the playoffs because of Denver and that Russell Wilson trade uh Detroit rounds out number six they get the number six pick because of the Matthew Stafford trade Vegas at seven Atlanta at eight Carolina at nine and Philly having the first round by still gets to draft 10th overall because that's just how they do in Philly. Uh, that rounds out the top 10. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the matchup, but um, I want to kind of get where your guys' heads at with the whole Chicago or with the whole Houston matchup. Um, so let's get into the action, guys. If you don't have anything else for me regarding the playoff picture or the draft order, let's kick draft, the rundown off. Draft order. Why don't you, if, we're, if people are worried about um, Fields throwing abilities, why not trade them now? And... Um, you know, just get some capital because you're going to get to draft a whole new quarterback that you can restart with, right? That's that's a thought that has to be in play in Chicago right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to feel that fire with the whole like you know not believing in Fields, but that was my first thought. Is I'm like, you have an opportunity here where you've seen Fields for two seasons. Yeah, obviously his team is bad, but I still don't excuse how bad his passing performances have been. So yeah, you you could choose not to pay him. You can move on from him. You can trade him. There's still a tremendous amount of value for Fields, and like you said, you're gonna get the you're gonna get your pick at who you want sure. to start your franchise over with. So yeah. uh, it is an interesting predicament to be in. And and don't forget, like running quarterbacks don't last very long. Look at Lamar right now. You know, like he's young yet he's hobbled. Like you know, careers are made with being in the pocket. So if you can get that out of the draft and get more picks along the way, you know, entertain that thought. Yeah, I think that I saw the report that the GM was like they they've got to see something exceptional from the Q, from this QB class to decide to go away from Fields. I think that's going to be a tough decision, but I think if you can get picks, like you said, that would that could that could work out. They're in a great spot. They can trade down and accumulate capital. They can trade fields and accumulate capital. They can do nothing and like basically draft again <laughs> draft whoever they want, right? So yeah, I mean the best rebuilding situation heading into this offseason by far is for the Chicago Bears. As long as their ownership and everybody doesn't fuck this up, I mean this is like the ideal rebuild if you're a new GM that you could have possibly wanted, right? You, you had signs of life from your offense. Your quarterback is showing signs of being the quarterback of the future. You're getting the first round pick and you have the most money available to spend. So again, it's like Christmas for Ryan Poles heading into 2023. That's it for Water Cooler Talk. Let's get into the action with the rundown. The first game on the board on Saturday, the Kansas City Chiefs were traveling to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Chiefs needed a win to secure that first seed and the first round bye, and they did that. They covered the nine-point spread. They win the game 31-13. to The Raiders lose. They are now going to draft seventh overall in the 2023 draft. Um, you know, I just want to kick off this segment by saying just don't have Week 18 finals. Like, let's try to get away from that heading into next year. Even Week 17 seems a little far-fetched. Like, there's just no reason to be in a situation where you're playing. Like, I looked at the scores of our Week 18 playoffs in my league that playoffs matter, and, like, you're in the pickle of starting guys like Hurts, starting guys like Daniel Jones, starting guys like um, Justin Herbert even. All these guys that played, like, one half of football, and, yeah, your opponent also had a quarterback that played one half of football, 
but do you really want to be in a matchup where like, you know, your star quarterback that's supposed to score 25 plus points is scoring like nine to 11. The final score is like 73 to 72. Like it's just, it's not as fun as it can be in the last week of the season is kind of what I'll say. And from my experience, yes, I still got the W, but yeah, like, I mean, I had Hertz play, you know, I, I think he played almost the whole game. He played How many like points quarters. did you win by total at the end? Uh, I think like 45 or 50, something like that. That would yeah. be without Mixon and Burrow's points from that one game, right? So that could have been... Yeah, but I, I also I also had Chase. So I, honestly, oh, right. I think at the end of the day, I would have pulled it off. But yeah, you're right. I, he could have thrown all of his touchdowns to Higgins and Chase could have had a bad game and I probably would have lost that matchup. So um, that, that that situation in itself is so unorthodox. I don't know that we'll ever run into something like that again. Never say never, but it's very one in a million. But the aspect of controlling your league's rules and not having week 18 playoffs, everybody can control that. So let's just do away with that because there's not a ton of fantasy advice to give in the last week because shit, we have no idea what the coaches are thinking. We don't know how much they're going to play their players. We can only gather the information they present to the public. And it's like the last week of the season. So they play a lot of chess games. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to play our guys. And then they play a couple of drives and they sit or, oh, we're going to rest our players. And they play the whole game and your receive star receiver gets hurt. Like the, you know, the chargers did. So, you know, th there's a lot of ramifications that you just shouldn't have to stress about or worry about. So heading into 2023, everybody's New Year's resolution that plays fantasy football, make sure your league does not have week 18 matchups. But with that being said, the Chiefs took care of business here. They win the game. But the reason I bring that all up is the Chiefs won 31 to 13. If you were like, oh, great, the Chiefs need to play for the bye. So I'm going to, you know, unload all of my Chiefs. They won this game so easily that, you know, none of their players really had great fantasy days. Patty had 14, 15 fantasy points. He ends the year as QB one, which is pretty impressive considering that I think Allen was getting drafted consistently over him in fantasy football. Isaiah Pacheco had 12.4 fantasy points. Jarek McKinnon found the end zone, but was otherwise pretty insignificant. Seven and a half points. Kelsey, you were like, oh great. I have Kelsey. who's like the best tight end in all of fantasy football. He's such a mismatch in positions or matchups. He only had 6.8 points. The star of the Kansas City Chiefs was their defense with 15 fantasy points. So again, that goes to show you if you went into week 18, you're like, shit, the Chiefs got to play. And I have, you know, a Kelsey Mahomes stack. I'm guaranteed to win. Well, they combined for 20 fantasy points. So you probably could have lost playing against somebody who started Jared Stidham and Zach Moss. You know, like that's the kind of shit that you're dealing with in week 18. Is it worth it? I don't know. You guys be the deciding factors there. Jared Stidham on the other side, 13.6 fantasy points. Jacobs, you know, number one running back heading into the season or heading into the final week at six fantasy points. Adams, who had been disappearing the last couple of games after uh, the, the monster performance in week 17, only 9.8. I don't think any but he started Hunter Renfro, who had 15.8. You might have started Waller, who had four and a half. And Carlson, the kicker, was probably the one guy that played that was played the most in this offense, and he got nine fantasy points. So suffice to say, it's just a, uh, the last week of the season. Anything can happen. You know, we can sit here and speculate as much as we want, but we have no fucking idea. So the coaches don't even know. They're scoreboard watching, and, you know, when the team that you're needing to lose is up in the first quarter, they're making decisions based off of that. So it's all real time, and fantasy football is not real time. You're locking in your lineups before the game starts. So that is my soapbox rant. I am officially off that. Chiefs win the game. They secure the number one pick. Shashot, take us to the next game. <laughs> all right, yeah. First of all, why why, why is anybody in the 18 – 18 week fantasy season that, that just Dumb. that shouldn't even be allowed. I haven't done one of those in like 10 years, but that being said, you know, put me in a league with 18 weeks of football. I guarantee you I'm going to be coming out on top more than most people just because it's just, there's more variables to play with in the finals, right? Like I've lost so many finals now. And if I just imagine having a week 18 and all those finals, like I'm the guy that's losing sleep because I'm looking at everything that happens before that game starts, right? I know my opponent is not doing that. So like, there's going to be things that you're going to have an advantage over the other guy, like knowing like the backup to Patrick Mahomes, getting that last minute advice. People don't have the 
the energy to maintain that for 18 weeks, right? Like, but you know, some people are just going to do it. And if, you know, those scenarios come up, like you just have to be that person that takes that extra leap in that last final game. That's why I say I'm relieved because like, that's been, it was a stressful year, bro. Like that, you know, two second places and one like eighth or ninth place. I don't know how that shit works, but you know, in order to maintain that for longer, like it's very stressful. So um, yeah, 18 week seasons. This just doesn't make any sense. Stop it. Stop it. Um, the game that really was the most interesting to me early on in the week was the Titans visiting the Jaguars. A lot on a lot in stake here, you know. Um, final score was 16 to 20. Jaguars took that win. And um, you know, they didn't do it in a flashy way or anything like that. They just kind of were the less worse team out there. And um, you know, the, the division's garbage. Nine and eight led them to take, you know, advantage of a first uh playoff week home field advantage situation, which is just shitty you know like that's not cool we're over here having to go like 13 and 4 13 and 4 whatever the heck and end up with you know third seed while the jaguars are fourth seed going nine and eight it's just some of these things are just whack um but anyways all that being said there's not much fantasy implications that we really should even be talking about but um dobbs has showed has shown some signs of like being a legit nfl backup you know so he kind of got 12 ish points in a game that really mattered which you would have kind of expected him to you know, take a little bit of a leap with Henry back there, just taking all the pressure. Um, but he didn't. And Henry, 30 carries, man. Like everybody knew the ball was going to Henry. He got 109 yards out of the 30 carries, which is pretty bad if you really think about it. But his longevity is what we have to respect here. And 30 carries to get that 100 yards is pretty good for from a fantasy perspective. He had one catch for almost 20 yards and ended up with 16 fantasy points. Um, Okonkwo, um, the dude that, you know, next season should be targeted just like Everybody else in that second tier wide receivers after Kelsey, um, you know, if you're going with the no tight end strategy, you can easily scoop them up in like whatever round, 10th, 11th, 12th, something like that, maybe even later. Um, three receptions for 42 yards and a touchdown. He's going to continue to do that there because they're really believing in him. All the coaching staff, everybody loves him. Uh, Burks, he needs a real QB to excel. He has that potential there, but he's not going to do shit if they don't have a legit quarterback uh, in Tennessee by the beginning of next year. Um Trevor Lawrence, you know, he this was like his game manager type of game. He just played really safe. 20 for 32, 212 yards, one touchdown, um, you know, and then didn't do anything on the ground, which is really where the money is at. And um, he didn't. we didn't get to see that, uh, you know. Well, I don't know how many points he ended up with, like 12, maybe 15. I forget. Maybe 12. But if he had that 40 yards that he t- typically gets every game, then it would have probably made it a little bit more respectable. But that's the thing with T-Law. He's still at that point where you have to get those rushing yards here and there to k- kind of make up for um, his, like, Above average, but not that elite level fantasy play yet. Um, and then I wrote Catholic Kirk, but I meant Christian Kirk. Uh, <laughs> 21 fantasy points, man. He just, you know, there was three wide receivers in every um, it, that were present in most of the teams that won the championship. And one of them was Christian Kirk. And, uh, you know, unbelievably so. He was drafted in like the fifth round, maybe sixth, maybe seventh. I don't know. Um, but 21 fantasy points in your final game is a huge deal, right? Six for eight, 99 yards and a touchdown. And then Evan Ingram kind of sometimes comes up and becomes like the greatest tight end of all time and sometimes comes up and does his best Cole Komet uh, without a touchdown play. And this was one of those games. Um, but yeah, at the end of it all, Titans-Jaguars, pretty meh game. There's a much better games out there this week. Yeah, I think that uh, it looked like the Titans had control most of the time. I mean, with the Henry running, but then it was that last. I think I don't remember if it was a pick six or some sort of defensive touchdown that allowed them to win the game. And I was like, oh, this is it. That's it. There's no way the Titans are going to yeah, come. They're back. not coming back from that. <laughs> yeah, with Dobbs as their quarterback, and as good as he's played, they're just not built like that. 
Um, next up, we've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Atlanta to face the Falcons. Atlanta was favored by four points, given that most of the starters were out for the Buccaneers, and uh, they covered that spread. Final score, 30-17, and the over hits uh, there. Yeah, the start. So Tom Brady was there for, uh, I want to say, most of the first half, but then he probably he wasn't there after that. There was really no need for uh, Tom Brady to even play, maybe trying to get that bonus. You know, Tom Brady is, like, notorious for that. Uh, but he does have a touchdown in the first quarter. And so, you know, red zone Rudolph comes out of nowhere and gets a, gets a touchdown for Tom Brady. So that was pretty uh, wild. And uh, what, really was, what, was, what was my bet about Kyle Rudolph before the season? Do you guys what? remember? Less than 50 catches or something like that? It was either catches or touchdowns. Touch- I, don't I, I want to say it might have been touchdowns. I was like, I thought, it's I don't know, maybe it was catches. Hard to predict. That would be a weird bet to have earlier. No, it, it's, uh, I want to say it was touchdowns, and um, I, I think it was more than one or something like that. And I think he only had one touchdown. This, that, that was, I believe <laughs> that was, that was his, his <laughs> over. I think it was over under one and a half touchdowns, and I took the under, I'm pretty sure, is what, yeah. is what, what it was. Hey, yeah. you, you hit. That, good, good call on that. Um, Although maybe they could have used him all throughout the year, and he's and, washed, bro. If he if he couldn't have sniffed the field when they were searching for people to catch the football, that tells you yeah. everything you need to know. Yeah, no. Uh, well, in this game, the only Buccaneer that played the whole game was Anton Winfield Jr. Everyone else was, you know, in and out. Um, so really, nothing to make of this. One thing I'll say from the Falcons' standpoint is uh, their run game was really well. Algier had 24 attempts, 135 yards. He sets the rookie single season rush, rushing record with 1,035 yards. So over a thousand yards. Not the uh, quietest thousand yard season you've seen. Like yeah. the, it felt like he didn't start playing for the team till like week yeah, seven he or didn't. eight. He really yeah, didn't. And he had over a thousand rushing yards. That's pretty fucking incredible. I mean, there was Huntley, there was Algier, there was Patterson in the mix. So the fact that Algier kind of uh shined above everyone else and the guys, you know, the people that started him late in the season definitely benefited from that. Um uh, and as far as the 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 uh, the Buccaneers go go, uh, Godwin fumbled, which is two fumbles in uh, in in a row in two games. Uh, Buccaneers fans are probably a little bit upset about that. The season's over, so our fantasy goes. I don't really look into that. Gage gets a touchdown, but hurt on the play, so uh, just something to monitor. And also, the the Buccaneers are notorious for hamstring injuries. So Robert Hainsey has a hamstring injury, who's a center. So just something to look out for as they play the. Cowboys next week, um, you know, Tom Brady needs his line. And if he's getting, uh, if, if that line is getting, you know, hurt, that that's something to be uh, cautious about. Uh, I thought Desmond Ritter played really well against the backup, the Buccaneers backup. Uh, and so moving forward, I think that him uh, on this team is going to benefit guys like Drake London. And hopefully Kyle Pitts even benefits next year. So things to consider. Uh, Patterson got a touchdown as well, a rushing touchdown. But uh, with Algier kind of coming up, uh, you know, I think Patterson Stocks is definitely going to go down a little bit more next year. But yeah, Falcons, uh, you know, they 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 win, but really don't get anything out of the win. Uh, Buccaneers are still top NFC South, and they'll play the Cowboys next. Yeah, impressive, impressive. Best game probably for Ritter. Obviously, it was backups, but it kind of also wasn't backups. Like they started the game with the intention to win. Clearly, otherwise, you wouldn't have played your forty-five-year-old quarterback in his fiftieth season in the NFL. There was no reason to play him, right? Aside from which was a good point somebody had brought up when we were watching the game show of it, the fact that he wanted to make the playoffs with a above five hundred record, which mm. seems kind of like a petty enough thing that Tom Brady would care about. That he's like, you know what, I'm not going to have a losing season and make the playoffs, so I care. But again, they benched him mid-game, and it was when they were losing, and then Blake. Gaffer was the reason they came back and won the game anyway. So again, all in all, it just did not make sense for him to even play the game. But you mentioned Drake London. 
another great week, man. Six for 120. Uh, three games in a row, four games in a row since Ritter had started. It doesn't go unnoticed that his favorite target is already Drake London. So if Ritter, they're going to give Ritter an opportunity in 2023, uh, you know, Drake London, his stock is incredibly, you know, is rising, is on the up and up. Patriots at Buffalo, the Bills playing their first game since the entire situation with DeMar Hamlin, which obviously things have trended in the right direction. He's out of the hospital. He's, you know, everything is slowly getting back to normal, which is, you know, music to our ears, if you know, for, for lack of a better phrase. So we're in- incredibly happy about that. And Buffalo, you know, had, they channeled some DeMar Hamlin energy, man. Naheem Hines was the story of this matchup, in my opinion. Two kick returns for a touchdown, including the opening kickoff, the first play of the game, the Buffalo Bills first play since the entire DeMar Hamlin situation. I mean, you can't really write a better story than that, to be honest. That's insanity, uh, in my opinion. So Naheem Hines was incredible. Uh, The Bills win the game 35-23. to They secure the number two seed. They eliminate the Patriots from the playoffs, who are now drafting 14th overall. Uh, Josh Allen actually has a nice day, 21 fantasy points. He ends the year QB2 on the season. Stephon Diggs, a nice game, almost 20 points, 19.9. He ends the year. Needed one more touchdown, Diggs. Just needed one more touchdown. It was if the Patriots could at least, you know, I know something. it's just Freaking Mac Jones. Picks. Yeah. Uh, the Buffalo defense had 19 fantasy points because of those two picks and they finished the year as defense number five in fantasy football. The running backs were bad. If you started any running backs on the bill side, they were very bad. So you were not happy about that. I mentioned the Heinz thing. That's incredible uh, for the Patriots. Ramondre Stevenson had a great year, but kind of fell off the the uncertainty about how much they use him. And then, you know, when other running backs come into the fold, it's just weird. He finished running back 11, finishes this game with 10.7 fantasy points. Jacoby Myers had 10.7 fantasy points, a guy that most people don't like to draft, finished wide receiver 28. And the Patriots defense ends the year as the number one ranked fantasy defense. So uh, that's probably the highlight for their season. Um, And, you know, Bill Belichick has said he's not going away. Bill Belichick had that video of, you know, him talking to DeAndre Hopkins after their game against the Cardinals saying, hey, man, I like the way you play, blah, 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 all this stuff. DeAndre Hopkins trade rumors. So uh, a big landing spot to help Mac Jones because he needs all the help he can get. Um, That'll be interesting to watch heading into the offseason. But Buffalo takes care of business, man. Again, emotional game for them, and they definitely showed up. And the plays that they made were indicative of that emotion running through their veins because – I mean, how many kick returns for a touchdown have we even had for the entire NFL this year? For Naheem Hines to do it twice in the same game, shit, dude. That 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 is some higher power in effect. And I'm the least god person there is, but to me, that, like, if there's not, if that's not something, bro, that's that that's insane, insane, insanely coincidental. Absolutely, um, it's a great story. Just keep things at a factual level. He's not home safe. He went to another hospital. They just transferred from that hospital that he was in before to some one closer to home. Um, but like, there's still some things that he has to kind of like get back together. Like the normal things that normal people do, he hasn't been able to do. Um, but he's able to like talk and that those type of functioning are there. So, you know, worst case scenario, you know, you're looking at like not running, but best case scenario, like, you know, he's he can do all things. What's called like... um uh, daily things that you have to do, like showering, eating, cooking, talking to people. It looks like he can do all of that. So that's that's great. All right, next game up, Los Vikingos visited Los Ojos. Is that right? No, it's eyes. Oso. <laughs> the eyes. Osos. The Chicago eyes. <laughs> Los Grande Osos. Uh, so the Vikings visited the Bears. This game, you know, this was like the least excited I have been all year to watch a Vikings game. Um, but you know, it worked out pretty well. Vikings were favored by eight and I was like, Hmm, that's ballsy. But you know, uh, they took advantage of that 29 to 13 was the final score. 
Um, you know, it was just a game that both the teams just left the game happy, right? Like, what did the Bears didn't really want to? This isn't a Lovey Smith Bears. Like, they're, they're not trying to win games right now. They're trying to lose games. So the minute you start Nathan Peterman at quarterback, you've admitted that you're trying to openly yeah, lose the game. Exactly. How many times has Nathan Peterman won a game? Like, has never. He ever? Has he? Has he ever? I don't Probably know. Not. It's a great question. Um, so Vikings won. Uh, Bear or Bears lost, and um, Cook got injured. Madison came in and you know just did exact same thing. Cook would have done nothing crazy there. Um, which is great to see because I really needed to see that in order to move into the playoffs with a injured starting running back. Um, Cousins didn't have to come from behind for the first time. That was kind of nice. So uh, didn't have to get help from his defense, which is also kind of nice. Threw for one touchdown, uh, 17 for 20, which is pretty good, uh, 225 yards. Uh, KJ Osborne, 5 for 6 for 17, uh, 117, which is nice. He's coming in at late in the season, kind of like making his name back. Uh, you know, I was like, hey, guys, remember me from last year? I was creating some deep plays too. So now he's doing just that. The last last month or so, he's been very, very present in this offense. Uh, Jefferson's services weren't really needed this game. He went 4 for 5, didn't really have to wear him down, which is great because I was really worried something might happen to him. Not so worried about Cook, obviously worried, but not as worried as I would be if Jefferson something happened to Jefferson. Um, so he only got five targets, which is, you know, not good for fantasy football, but who gives a shit at this point? Just need him healthy to go into the uh, playoffs. And then Thielen just got his touchdown for, he had a four yard touchdown catch. That's it for the Vikings receivers. Hawkinson didn't really use him either. He only got one target, one catch uh, for 16 yards. Uh, and then on the other side, um, Peterman, no need to talk about him. Cole Komet, four for five for 57 and a touchdown, ended his season on a pretty good note, probably jumped up a few points for like tight end five or tight end four maybe. I don't know, something crazy like that probably. Um, and then Herbie, um, similar stats to Madison. He also had 10 rushes for 50 yards, uh, no touchdowns there. Also, tight end, tight end seven. Tight end seven. It's yeah. close. Um, but Herbert... Herbert's going to be really high on top of pe- top of people's lists next year as far as like surprise running backs in, in case Montgomery goes somewhere. Or, uh, but as long as Montgomery's gone, if Montgomery's still there, then you know I, I don't see, I see I see a bunch of splitting happening. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. I think I looked this up actually the other yeah, day. I think he's, I think I think he's going to get reins. I, I remember seeing somewhere like is this yeah, Montgomery I'm, last year? Yeah, Montgomery's an undrafted free or unrestricted free agent. So right. yeah, okay. I mean he's he's, he's he's yeah he's twenty five. I mean, he's still not reaching that 27 clip, but they have somebody already that they can deploy yeah. in Herbert. So there's really no reason they're going to bring back Montgomery. So yeah, yeah, I mean, heading into 2023, it's definitely Herbert's backfield. Mm-hmm. And sure. with Justin Fields, all of a sudden, Khalil Herbert looks like a potential top 10 pick, you know, Absolutely. like in that run offense. Damn. Should be interesting. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got the Baltimore Ravens at Cincinnati to face the Bengals. Bengals. Bengals were favored by nine points, and they covered that spread. The final score it was 27-16, to 16, the under hit. And with the win, Bengals win the division. Um, Bengals, I thought they, they played hard, even though they really didn't need to. They, were hard. they already clinched um, the playoff spot. But uh, at times, Burrow looked really well. He looked kind of shifty, like you'd mentioned, Sukar, in, in uh, some of the last episodes. So that's really elevating his game a little bit. Um, as far as the Ravens go, the Ravens run game, uh, Dobbins didn't play, uh, Kenyon Drake finished with 15.9 fancy points, which included a touchdown. So nothing to take home from there. 
One thing that I really like from the Ravens uh, side is Isaiah Likely, 21.3 fantasy points, 13 targets, 8 receptions, 103 yards. I understand that Mark Andrews is still in, in the game, but uh, there have been talks from like starting preseason. I thought this guy looked really well. Um, he's a rookie this year, and so I, I, I'm int- I'm interested to see if they will continue continue to utilize him. We'll find out like you know through preseason next year. Um, but if they add him, figure out how to add him to the mix, he could be a, a, a good target. Uh, for whoever whoever the quarterback is in Ravens land. Um, the Bengals passing game, Chase had 22.6 fantasy points, 13 targets, eight receptions, one touchdown. So, you know, if you're in the fantasy playoffs with Jamar Chase in week 18, you've got to be happy with that. Uh, That's mixed, me. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Mixon get, gets a touchdown, 17.8 fantasy points. So a uh, good day for Mixon as well. Had some big runs as well. Uh, but the key to the victory for the Bengals was their defense. Uh, two picks. Uh, thrown by Anthony Brown, who got the start for Huntley. Uh, and they also had two fumbles. Uh, one was returned for a touchdown in the end zone. So um, the, Ra- the Bengals, as uh, the Ravens, as well as their defense, I thought played at times. They just weren't able to overcome those turnovers and, and they win the game, but they have a chance to redeem themselves next week. So we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. But uh, it's going to be an uphill battle for sure with p- potentially no Lamar Jackson. I can't believe they're in the playoffs. Like they, they haven't been with Lamar Jackson for like a month now. <laughs> they snuck into the playoffs with this shitty ass pass defense. They're just, I don't know, man. Harbaugh things. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it, it is impressive, but if Anthony Brown is starting, they have no hope. And if Tyler Huntley starts, they have little to no hope. So it's yeah. like, I mean, great season. You're right. For for having a second and third string quarterback and losing basically the player that you you basically cater your entire offense to and to still make the playoffs. That part is definitely impressive. No doubt. Yeah. Meaningless game, you might say, but no, this game really, really mattered for who was going to get the number one overall pick. The Houston Texans traveled to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Texans were two and a half point underdogs. Vegas even said they were not favored to win this game. So all sides were pointing to Houston losing and getting the number one pick. But what happens? They win the game 32 to 31, going for two on the last touchdown to get that extra point to win the meaningless game to officially lock in the number two seed and or the number two pick Indianapolis drops down and they actually now are the fourth overall pick and the story of this matchup is the fact that the Texans won and they waited no time to fire Lovey Smith like no time at all and I mean you know call me crazy but to me if the Houston Texans lost this football game Lovey Smith is not fired as quickly as he is because I don't think they don't have a contingency plan yet because they're still in rebuild mode. Like Lovey Smith knew that coming into this season, right? So their expectations when hiring him weren't, Hey, you need to turn this franchise around with Davis Mills and Damian Pierce and Brandon cooks. Like, you know, like nobody was expecting that. So for them to fire him, the only thing that I can allude to is the fact that they wanted him to lose this game and they had the opportunity to lose despite like winning, being winning the whole game. And in the final seconds, you know, what's the biggest fuck you you can do is go for two in a meaningless game to win the game and to not get the number one pick. So call me crazy, but I legitimately think that is a direct reason why they fired Lovey Smith. Uh, Brandon Cooks, 
the only guy that's really been highlightable on the Houston side uh, had 19.1 fantasy points. He finishes the year as wide receiver 49. He was hurt on and off, but the story for him is he wants to be traded to a contender. He wanted to be traded this year. They couldn't find a suitor. Uh, he's going to be reaching age 30 and he has an $18 million uh, salary next year, 13 the year after that. But the bigger story is that's a $26 million cap hit and a $24 million cap hit in your age 30 and 31 season. And your name is Brandon cook. So uh, what's the market going to be for a guy like that? That, that, that remains to be seen. Um, but on the cold side, the only guy that's worth highlighting Zach Moss came onto the scene, all of a sudden gets traded to this team and becomes a workhorse, gets 20 plus carries a game. He had 19.6 fantasy points. Uh, so if you started Zach Moss in week 18, he was probably the one guy that was a guy that came out of nowhere that ended up doing well for you in the end. But Houston wins this game. They lose out on the number one overall pick in a year when they absolutely need to draft a quarterback. But the good news is the team that sur sur surpasses them doesn't need to draft a quarterback, or at least we don't think. So either way, it could have still worked out for them. Um, but do you guys have any thoughts on the Lovey Smith thing or am I kind of blowing that out of proportion? No, it's directly on proportion. That's exactly what happened. He didn't even get to go home. They were probably so pissed. Yeah. The owner's box was probably having a fit. There is one side of it that makes me kind of, you know, you always have to take, look at both sides. And the one side is that they only have a couple days until they can start interviewing coaches. Right. So maybe they were like, all right, sooner the better. Let's just get this shit show on the road. Um, maybe that was part of it, but I am very much like immediately when I saw that text message, I was like, damn, I knew you fucked up lovey, but I didn't know you fucked up that bad. Yeah. It's just imagine a scenario where you get hired to, to, for a job and it's like, Hey, this is a from the ground up. Like this is, we are at the lowest peak of our possible companies, uh, outline or projections, whatever. And we're basically building this up. So the expectation is never, this person is going to come in and overnight turn this franchise around. So yeah, they, I mean, if they were so keen on hiring Lovey Smith, they knew what they were getting and they knew the situation they were putting him in. They were like, you're a veteran coach. So, you know, you're not somebody that's you know, in his first year as an NFL head coach needing to prove something and going to try to get the best of or get the most out of this you know, horrible roster, you're just going to make sure that you don't shipwreck things and kind of do what we ask of you. And I think the ask of you was they came into a situation where they have the opportunity to get the number one pick and Lovey Smith says, I'm not going to openly tank. So, well, here's the thing though. I think that like going for two shows that he is willing to either lose the game or win the game, right? It's not going to end in a tie. So mm -hmm. he put the, he put the team out there to lose if you if you look at it that way. And so the that's outcome, how you look at it. That's how yeah. you've been looking at it all year long. The outcome was a, a win and and they, you know, they get it. But you know, Lovey Smith just was never the answer in my opinion. I mean, I, that was the biggest surprise of all the all the coaches that got hired that last uh, last year, how did Lovey Smith and manage to become a head coach? Like, you know, I think he was just like a guy that was there as a placeholder, and then now they're going to move on and try to find someone else that's more long term. Um, and but the takes that you guys are making, I think, are is much much better than some of the crazy things I've seen. Like, it, it's not. I don't think it's a race thing, right? Like, it's no. Not, oh, like, God. I, I definitely don't think it's that. Like, you know, the Broncos head coach got fired too after one year. So, you know, it, Lovey Smith was never, never the guy there. He should have never gotten that head coach job in the first place. I, I think, I think the problem is the scenario fits into the race narrative more, right? Hackett getting fired coming into a scenario where you have basically a hall of fame quarterback that you just paid a shit ton of money to with the roster that already had a defense that was a quarterback away from winning. And you train wreck that team into not even making the playoffs. 
totally understandable. But again, what was the ex- what was Lovey Smith expected to do? Like to to me now, this just this just reeks of lose lose situation. Like what the fuck was he gonna do to not get himself fired? You know, like I I don't know. Like I and and the problem is I don't think it's a race thing, but the fact that it happens to be a black quarter or black coach and gets the short end of a stick when he was like hired into a lose lose scenario, it's kind of fucked up. But uh, I don't think it's because he's black. I just think the coach was put in a fucked up situation yeah. and does not deserve to get fired whatsoever. He was hired to improve that defense. That defense got worse. That's what happened, right? Like, like you said, it's not the answer. And it's a it's a league of coaches that are young and smart and play good offense. Like we're competing with like McVeighs and freaking like KOCs out here. You know, it's it's like you got to make plays, not this old head. Like let's run the ball and set up a good defense. And that's that's literally what happened. I, I'm not even looking at it from a race perspective. Like you have a coach you bring in to maybe change the defense because it was so bad, didn't do that, and now you're going up against like all these future Hall of Fame type of coaches. You know, it's just it's not going to work. That era is over. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, e- even if you're coming on to fix the defense, your best player on the defense was a rookie cornerback that you drafted in the first round, right? So again, my answer is always going to be, what the fuck were the expectations of Lovey <laughs> Smith? Like, you can't turn a defense around when you have nobody. Like, there's name somebody on that defense besides uh, Derek Stingley Jr. Like, honestly, yeah, great. A lot, like, there's nobody, right? So, again, that's what gets me the most mad is you, you anybody that could have got hired in this situation, if the expectation was we're going to fire you at the end of the year, why the fuck are you taking that job? Like, I, it's just, I, I don't know. It, again, despite all odds, I think it's hilarious that Houston wins this game going for two and gets the number two pick. Um, and, and we'll see kind of how the draft shakes out for them. They get two top 15 draft picks again, which is what they had last year too. So the rebuild continues to be there. So is the next coach that gets hired, the expectation is, hey man, you get two first round picks, turn this franchise with Davis Mills around into a winning formula. If that guy doesn't have a winning season and he gets to keep his job at the end of next season, then it's like, what the fuck? You know, but that that is what it is. That's my rant over on that situation. Houston, uh, again, man, give give the Texans or fans a reason to want to come watch these games. And every time they have the opportunity to do so, it's just like, ah, I don't know. Yeah, man. Like the, the sad, unfortunate, sad story here is that they really weren't the worst team in the league. There were some played, other teams that the, were worse. The most recent three, four games, Houston was actually pretty yeah. fucking good. They yeah. competed against Dallas. They competed against Kansas City. Uh, they beat. Did they? They Tennessee. beat Tennessee. Yeah, and yeah. and they they beat Indianapolis by going for two. So you know, talk to yeah. me about what have you done for me lately? They actually tremendously improved against two top tier playoff teams. So I don't know. Yeah, Brian Flores all over again. But what what do they have yeah. in common? Oh shit, they're both black. So again, it feeds into the stupid race narrative, which again I don't think that's the reason why, but it just feeds into the narrative. <laughs> Speaking of teams that just try to improve and still suck, we have the Jets going to visit the Dolphins. And Miami was favored by three. They ended up getting that (laughs) covered in a last-second miracle, which is people should just know by now. Like, stop stop lateraling in a chaotic fashion. Either have a plan, like have a planned lateral, but don't just chaotically lateral. It just never works out. It just never works out. Um, Ugly game, you know. Dolphins made the playoffs. You know, I made some crazy allegations in the past. Um, but this Dolphins team at this moment right now with this roster is going to get killed in the playoffs. Okay, they need Tua back ASAP. Like these, this ex- experiment with this backup third string Kyler Thompson and this whole Bridgewater thing, like let's just – it's not the answer. If they're going to do anything in the playoffs, they need Tua back. And that's just because they need to develop that chemistry that they once had. And now there's so much like – 
things going on. Like, hey, I haven't played with you in like two weeks. I then like two weeks ago before that, you didn't you weren't here for three more weeks. Like at this point, the chemistry amongst the players is like imagine AJ Brown um getting hurts back, right? Like that must be a great feeling. Tyreek Hill hasn't had that has had that feeling taken away from him so many times. And now at this point, it's like who is my quarterback? And like, what, what kind of routes do I run? You know, like, cause you know what your quarterback likes the ball, you know, whether it's underthrown, you're ready for it. If it's overthrown, you're ready for it. Like your all your snap moves has to align with your quarterback's play. And that's kind of getting fucked up in, in dolphins land. It's just all over the place right now. So they need to a back. They need to a back at least. So the, the chemistry that they once had can be there. Cause it's Skylar Thompson is not going to win you anything, especially against the bills who are coming up next. Uh, Flacco, just kind of, you know, fill in, just fill in Flacco. Uh, his son came to the game wearing a Dolphins jersey, and that's when you knew <laughs> Flacco was going to lose this game. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's just Flacco went 18 for 33 for 149 yards. Uh, that's worse than Madison's yards per rush this week, okay? He was, as a quarterback, his yards per attempt was worse than a running back's yards per rush, and that running back didn't do that great. So it's just, you know, again, I digress. Uh, Donovan again got the most carries. Zonovan got the most carries, uh, but he only got 22 yards out of this double-digit carry, so he's not the answer. They need to. It's just I think they it's were Brees just Hall. Like, yeah, it's Brees Hall. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around it, and there's gonna be some backup who's gonna vulture every now and then. Um, but you don't need to look at any of these guys going into next year. Garrett Wilson, however, it just there's a trend here, right? If you have a reputable pocket presence kind of a quarterback, Garrett Wilson is the guy here. 17 targets, that's a lot of targets. Nine receptions out of those 17 targets, and, you know, just with a good pocket passer. Half of Flacco's completions were to Garrett Wilson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that means he gets open, right? Like, these these new guys with the lengthy arms and the quick quickness in their feet, they just get open. Everybody's getting open nowadays, and uh, I hope more people see that. Just need time for the receivers to get open, and you will get the pass. Um so, you know, um, I mentioned one wide receiver that was available or that was present in most fantasy winning rosters. Uh, the other guy on amongst those three is Waddle. He was actually number one. Waddle is the most prevalent player on winning rosters from a wide receiver standpoint. Um, he was five for five for only 44 yards this game. Uh, Hill only 23 yards on two catches. Again, I can't stress this enough. Tua needs to get his ass back for this Dolphins team to be watchable at this point. Um, and then Jeff Wilson and Mostert, they did really well. Probably part of the reason why they won this game, to be honest with you. 72 yards rushing for Wilson, 71 yards rushing for Mostert. They were pretty efficient, and they caught a couple passes here and there. Didn't do much with it, but uh, that's all they had to work with. And they did they did pretty well against the Jets. Um, just, bar, you know, in the grand scheme of things, against this really good Jets defense, they kind of mustered this one out. No pun intended. Uh, but at the end of it all, nothing to say about the Jets. They just, they're just they just back to being a poverty franchise. With all that praise we gave them all year long and everything towards the end of the year, they just went back to their old ways. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're a quarterback away. And what's crazy is they've just drafted a quarterback. And, I mean, they have a good defense. They just need they need a competent quarterback. And I think Mike White's proved he's he's better than Wilson. He can be in short spurts, but he's definitely not yeah. the answer. Yeah. Obviously, Flacco's a million years old. I feel like at this point, Zach Wilson's just, like, mental side of things for the game of football has really deterred. So he's going to need to, like, go on some, you know, Zen-type retreat this offseason <laughs> yeah. and get his get yeah. his head clear because the confidence level is just not there anymore. And you look at where the Jets are going to draft, they're going to be drafting as the 13th overall pick this year. So uh, the top two or three quarterbacks are already going to be gone. So No, it's uh, not. They, they're not going young here. They're going to get a veteran presence here. There's no way they're even allowed Lamar. to get a young 
Lamar. Lamar. Possible. Lamar's there. Um, I think Kyler has an opportunity to be moved with, yeah. you know, obviously everything that's gone on in Arizona. So there are going to be Derek Carr. There's definitely quarterbacks on the yeah. market that can, uh, For sure. you can plug and play it and be obviously way better than Zach Wilson. Yeah. I find it interesting that you mentioned that, um, yeah, half of uh, Flacco's throws that he completed was to uh, Garrett Wilson, but also half of his throws that he didn't even complete. Like, 33 attempts. It was either Wilson. It was every other play. The ball was thrown to Wilson, yeah. whether he caught it or not. Didn't matter. Yeah. It, it, it's insane that that's how open that guy's getting, you know, he's warranting 17 targets and that's, yeah. that's definitely something. Save Garrett Wilson. That's what needs to happen. All right. Next up, we've got the Carolina Panthers at New Orleans to face the saints, Carolina. Uh, the saints were favored by three and a half points. They do not cover that spread as the final score was 10 to seven. Uh, Panthers end up winning this low-scoring affair under hits uh, with 17 total points. But, yeah, I, I was actually surprised that the Panthers even won because how terrible they played pretty much throughout the whole game. Um, but it, I mean, when it came down to the, the end, um, the Saints missed a 60-yard field goal. Panthers get the ball back and, and win a kick a field goal to win the game. But as far as uh, fantasy implications, uh, Olave gets a touchdown. Just like Garrett Wilson, Olave was targeted on 50% of his routes, so 12 receptions, but only five targets. So Quarterback away. Yeah. Quarterback even, even away. The opposite. 12, 12 targets, only five receptions, you mean? 12 targets, only five receptions, yes. Uh, yeah, a quarterback away, man. Free, free Chris Olave as well. Another rookie receiver that really needs a quarterback to help him out. Um, Alvin Kamara finished the year strong, I guess. Uh, 107 yards on 23 carries and the biggest seven. slap in the face. <laughs> meaningless, meaningless ass game. You put up 100 yards, seven forced tackles. Yeah. When the Panthers don't even give a shit. Congrats. Good job. Congrats. Yeah. So uh, take that for what it is. Uh, Darnold, he, he didn't have a great game. Two interceptions. Like I said, I'm just surprised that they won, but Darnold did get into the end zone to get a rushing touchdowns. Um, yeah, they tried to kick a 60 yard field goal to win the game. That didn't happen. Uh, Carolina, uh, Darnold had like a huge run at the end, gets a first down and uh, puts in a field goal range and they end up winning this game, but really no implications fantasy wise, uh, playoff wise, nothing to watch for in this game, <laughs> unless you're a Panthers and Saints fan. So, uh, the only thing I, I would point out is yeah, Olave, he's the guy you need to target next year as well. Um, hopefully he gets a quarterback to, to give him those fantasy points that he truly deserves. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't watch a snap of this football game. I'm not afraid to say that. It, was, it had no <laughs> implications. Ugly ass, like, you know, what am I watching? Darnold against Andy Dalton in a game where two teams are eliminated from the playoffs. That's disgusting football. But don't quote me on this in like five weeks when the NFL's over. And I'm like, God, I would give anything to just watch Darnold against Andy Dalton once more time. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see. Said no Browns and Steelers. We had our eyes glued to this game, Chauvet, because the Steelers had an opportunity to make the playoffs. They needed a win. They needed a Miami Dolphins loss, and they needed a Patriots loss. Uh, Steelers took care of business. They did their job. They were covered by two and a half, or they were two and a half point favorites. They covered that spread. They win the game 28 to 14. Uh, the Browns lose. They have no first round pick. They're going to be drafting 12th overall, but that goes to Houston for the Deshaun Watson trade. So Houston has the second and the 12th pick. Uh, and the Steelers, they're going to miss the playoffs, but. Mike Tomlin adds to that streak another year of 500 or better football. He is undefeated when it comes to that stat in his head coaching tenure with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, this game really ultimately from a fantasy perspective, and I mean, I'm just kind of looking 
forward to 2023. Deshaun Watson, he he started to pick up his play. He's obviously drastically improving from week to week because he's been away from football for almost two years. So 2023, I expect Watson's outlook to be great. I think he's, he's probably going to be projected a top five to seven fantasy football quarterback. So uh, he's got, and he's got the weapons. Nick Chubb's going to be there next year. Kareem Hunt is a free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent, so he'll probably be gone. But Amari Cooper and Joku, those guys are all back as well. So uh, Watson should have the full force to have a good fantasy season next year. Um, for the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, is he the starting quarterback next year? I mean, I think he is, but I also don't know. I, I th- Nothing has been solidified from that position, in my opinion, based on his play to determine that heading into next year, you're like, Kenny Pickett's the guy. Najee Harris, nice to see the late season resurgence after struggling early on, but again, Najee's success went hand in hand with the Pittsburgh Steelers success, right? When the Steelers were struggling, Najee sucked. When they won six games in a row, Najee, I think in the, in that span was a top 10 running back in fantasy football. So the, the opportunities for Najee are there. His talent is there. Uh, I think, you know, he just needs to run the ball straight and not side to side. And a lot of the other stuff will take care of themselves. Um, and on the receiving side, man, Pickens, I, I, I was definitely wrong about George Pickens. Now, you know, surface level, you know, box score watchers will be like, why? Because Pickens didn't have that great a season. But if you watch George Pickens, there are very few guys that I trust throwing 50-50 balls to than George Pickens. And he doesn't even get many targets. It's not like he's gotten enough opportunities to where he's a lock. But there's something about that guy, man. He just makes plays. I think they need to make an emphasis that all of the targets that Deontay Johnson gets, and I get that Deontay Johnson's probably a better route runner, so he's getting open. But I trust you to throw 50-50 balls to Pickens, almost half of those targets that Deontay Johnson gets when he's wide open running a route. So I'm hoping they see a shift in that for Pickens because the future is bright for him in 2023. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, again, they gritted, they grinded, they won, what, six straight to end the season, and they had an opportunity to make the playoffs, but the fucking Jets could not beat the Dolphins and Skylar Thompson. So, uh, again... Sucks to not make the playoffs, but all things considered, where we were sitting seven weeks ago, you're probably chalking this up as a successful season, Chovit. Yeah, it's weird because like I, I was heavily invested in um, the Steelers winning because I had a bet that they were going to have a winning record end of the season. So, you know, that's all done. I won that. But now it's like we're like in this weird position where like I don't see us making a lot of changes. I don't see the Steelers making a lot of changes because they, they did get that over 500 record. So it's, you know, you're really going to have to see more from um, Kenny Pickett next year. I don't think he's a fantasy starter, but he's definitely the starter for the Steelers. And then it, it's not, and it, the way Tomlin makes it sound like, looks like the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, isn't going anywhere either. So it's kind of gonna, it's gonna be a similar Steelers offense, but better, hopefully, just because of experience. So I'm a little bit, uh, you know, it, 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 that's just the way it is. And it's gonna be interesting to see if they make those big changes, but um, hopefully I'm wrong and, and the Steelers actually look a lot better than they did this year. because. That beginning half of the year, man, it was terrible to watch. And, you know, Kenny Pickett wasn't there. It was Mason Rudolph. So, or not Mason Rudolph, uh, Trubisky. So, I mean, that makes sense too. Yeah. I like, I like how you have a little tooth picking thingy in your hand while talking about pickings and get sweetheart. <laughs> oh, this? Oh, wow. I didn't even realize I had that. What the hell? <laughs> how did you even see that? Was I holding it up on camera? You were just like showing it everywhere as if you're like freaking oh, wow. sponsoring it. What's up? But yeah, I, I love Pickens, man. Pickens, but I also understand why he's not getting the targets. And Sweetgar, you kind of touched on it. It's the route running, right? Like, do you take the guaranteed five yards in front of you from Deontay Johnson, or do you hope that it doesn't get picked off, right? So that's why the targets are limited to like five to seven, because those prayers can happen randomly, those five to seven. 
Um, and he's going to come down with most of them. Hopefully he can learn, run more routes. It's a DK Metcalf situation, and we see how DK Metcalf, in the same situation, played this exact same way, just had Russell Wilson throwing the ball, not Kenny Pickett. So things were a little different back then. Um, but the, the stars are very, very bright for Pickens. Chargers at the Broncos. We would have probably been thinking this was a playoff matchup week 18. You know, they probably set it up that way, all sexy with their all Russells and all their all their cool people. But no, this was probably the most useless game of the, of the day. Like, it didn't, nothing mattered. Totally meaningless for both teams. And the Broncos finally get a good win. That's just, that's poetic. If I've ever, you know, it's if, if the, <laughs> the Broncos season in a nutshell. They finally do well, but it's just the most useless thing on earth. Um, so the Chargers get to face the Jaguars because of that. And a um, couple of spotlights. I'm not going to get too invested into this game, but Jerry Judy had a pretty Jerry Judy-like game that we hoped Jerry Judy would be like, right? Five for six for 154 yards. That's like 30 yards a catch. That was pretty impressive there. Uh, Joey Bosa had only eight pass rush attempts. They kind of just threw him in there because he just came back from like really, really long time in the IR. Um, and he only had eight plays where he was rushing. And in those eight plays, he had one sack and four pressures, right? So they're so, so happy to get him back. Um, the defense is a whole different defense with him back. It's He's the other brother, right? Nick Bosa's older brother before Nick Bosa was Nick Bosa. Probably learned from Joey Bosa. So um, good to ha- have him back in Chargers uh, defensive line there. Um, Chargers only allowed three pressures on 45 pass blocking snaps. That's very unchargers like, and that's nice to see towards the end of the season, right before the playoffs. And it is against a pretty good Broncos team too. So hopefully there's some signs of life there and they're also getting their star right tackle or left tackle. I forget who it is, but they're getting him back. Um, he's not playing in the first playoff game, but if they make it to the next playoff game, he comes back. So, um, that's also huge. They just have to get to the next level and their line gets stronger. Russell Wilson scored three touchdowns, you know, 24 fantasy points. Congrats to nobody. Herbie, 273 yards, two touchdowns, meh, like 16, 15 fantasy points, whatever. That's where he's been hiding all year long. Uh, Eckler, 11 for 34 for, um, or sorry, 11 rushes for 34 yards and four catches for 36 yards. That was like, you know, lower end of his um, point scoring for the whole year. That's probably one of his worst games. And that's like Chris Godwin's like best game for the first like 16, uh, weeks of the season. I was, I would be happy if Chris Godwin got me this amount of points right at that time. Um, and then nothing else to talk about as far as touchdowns, a bunch of randos like Sutton, who's now a rando. Uh, and then this guy named Batty and Tomlinson. So just nothing to get, nothing to gain from that knowledge. And then Keenan Allen going out with a bang could be his final regular season game ever. You never know. Uh, eight catches on 11 targets for 102 yards and two tutties, 33 fantasy points for the old man. Was that the most fantasy points this week? 33? That seems like a lot. Because uh, a lot of like starters didn't really play and stuff. Let me just check. I'm actually boy, curious. That could be. That could be. Yeah, I think there's a lesson to be learned in this from this season, and it's that you don't go paying for uh, quarterbacks that are aging like a lot of yeah. them. Like, yeah. you know, the Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, uh, both of these, Aaron Rodgers didn't have a single uh, fancy point with, like, single game with more than 20 fancy points this year. So um, it's ridiculous. Keenan Allen. It was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen was the number one fantasy football player in week 18, but he, on half point PPR, he had 26.2, but he was the number one player. Wow. And number two was Russell Wilson. We just talked about him. So <laughs> fucking weird universe we live in. Right. Week 18 fantasy. 
All right, next up, we've got the New York Giants traveling to Philadelphia to play the Eagles. The Eagles were favored by 14 points, um, and they do not cover that spread as the final score was 22 to 16, uh, and the under hits, uh, the under was set to 43 points. And uh, the Eagles, you know, they secured the number one spot in the NFC East. Uh, the Cowboys were playing at the same time that the Eagles were playing, so uh, they were, you know, I'm sure they were trying to figure out if the Eagles were going to lose or not, and that clearly didn't happen. Uh, AJ Brown set a single season uh, record for uh, re uh, receiving yards um, by, you know, the, the game that he had this week. Uh, so kudos to him. He's probably one of those guys that if you have him in your fantasy lineups, you're probably, you probably got pretty far uh, this year as far as, uh, you know, playoffs and all that is concerned. Um, Wide receiver five on the season. Yeah. I mean, that's very, very impressive. Uh, I, I didn't see that coming. I thought that Eagles were going to continue to run the run offense, but if you uh, didn't think that and you uh, drafted them, kudos to you. Uh, I think that this is a different team when Hertz is playing and they showed it, they, they went out and, and they won, uh, beat, beat the giants. Although the giants were really not even playing anyone. Daniel Jones wasn't there. Saquon Barkley wasn't there. Uh, Kenny Galladay was there. He gets a touchdown. Surprisingly, he was 72 touchdowns away from his bonus or, something, or, or like 70. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. 72 crazy. touchdowns. That's it's a lot of touchdowns. Catches. 72 <laughs> catches uh, away from his bonus. 72 touchdowns. Wow. That bonus must be really good. though. Alien. <laughs> uh, like, so, if you make the hall of fame we give you 500k like okay yeah thanks guys it's chump change for these guys uh anyways um yeah i thought the, the only um you know big fantasy implications as far as this game is uh i think it's zach elliott there um jake elliott sorry jake elliott their kicker uh had 250 yard uh, field goals complimented by some uh, extra points as well so he probably had the best day uh davis webb gets a rushing touchdown but you probably didn't start him either um, but all in all, I think the Eagles are just a lot better team with Hertz on the, uh, Hertz there. Their front five is actually really good too. They didn't allow a sack or a hit and gave up just five pressures on 41 pass blocking snaps. So I think PFF has them as the best O-line in the NFL right now. So, um, hopefully, you know, this continues into the, uh, playoffs for Eagles and, uh, they, if with that stat, I expect them to go pretty far. The San Francisco 49ers were hosting the Arizona Cardinals, trying to lock up the number two seed. Cardinals really not playing for much. They were 14 and a half point underdogs, and the 49ers covered the spread. 38-13 final, they win this game. Arizona says, enough of you, Cliff Kingsbury, and they fire him, and they have the third overall draft pick heading into 2023. San Francisco, like I mentioned, they, they take the two seed, and they're going to play a home game against the division rival Seattle Seahawks in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, dude, the San Francisco 49ers are just scary. I, you know, fantasy wise, it's scary as a fantasy owner because there's so many mouths to feed heading into next season, even. But I mean, CMC played a little bit, got into the end zone. Elijah Mitchell came back from the IR, scored twice. Debo's back, and they didn't even have to use him because they didn't have a ton to play for. Ayuk had a great, great year. And Kittle, after Purdy's been quarterback, is looking like you know, tight end one. He's, he's been the best tight end in football since Brock Purdy has been the quarterback of the 49ers. So, uh, you know, that's a scary bunch to have to face in the playoffs. So, I mean, again, everything looks great for them. Their defense, I will say has looked a, at times a little bit lackluster. They're, they gave up a lot of points to Stidham and the Raiders. Um, so, I mean, again, I, I take that with a grain of salt, but as long as Nick Bosa is on the field and generating pressure, he makes that defense a lot better as well. Uh, and then the story on the Arizona side, I already talked about it. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury's fired. DeAndre Hopkins, they came out and said they're going to look to try to trade him. So if they are in a full tilt rebuild, are they wanting to rebuild with Kyler Murray or 
they can still unload Kyler Murray. And with the what third overall pick, they can draft a quarterback. So uh, it's going to be a lot cheaper on a rookie contract. It's a true rebuild. You're going to get a brand new coach. And again, if all the rumors and everything around Kyler Murray are true, you know, this is the best opportunity to get get out of his, you know, get out of contract with him, a guy that, you know, maybe doesn't have the work ethic that you expect. Otherwise, why else would he have those stipulations in his contract? You know, so it's a murky situation, but they have it. They have an out here. If they wanted to trade him, he's got tremendous value and they're drafting high enough that they can draft a quarterback. So uh, for them, the future is at least in rebuild phase for the 49ers. I mean, they go into the playoffs in full, full tilt. And I mean, I'm I'm as terrified of the 49ers as I am any other football team in the NFL. Yeah, man, I I would put them right. There's there's only four teams in the playoffs in my eyes. It's the Bills, the Chiefs, the 49ers, and the Eagles. Everybody else has proven and shown signs of weakness in one way or another. And the Bills have too in a little in a little way, but they got this whole magical thing going for them right now. So I don't know. Uh, but these other three teams, man, God bless whoever has to face them because it's going to be a nightmare trying to scheme up against like some of these juggernauts. These like, the 49ers team is just just terrifying. Complete. So complete. They're just like perfect. I just named off like seven players and they're all stars. Like they're all above average football players or borderline stars and they all play for yeah. the same offense, you know? So yeah. it's just, they can beat you every which way. And on top of that, their defense is phenomenal. So they are as complete yeah. a team in the NFL. I mean, the NFL needs Eagles 49ers, like NFC championship yeah. game, right? Like Eagles 49ers, Bills Chiefs. I think that yeah. would be like the script made in heaven for the NFL. Well, it's got to be. There's Bengals. Yeah, the ba- the Bengals are the only wild card. Yeah, That's well. the one team that I'm like, you know, don't rule them out. But I, you're spot on. Those those first two seeds, they seem like top tier echelon, yeah. and everybody else is kind of just right. the Ravens scare you. No, do no. the do the Jaguars, Jaguars scare no. you? No, Chargers the, don't scare me. Chargers, Dolphins, that AFC's done. It's done. Yeah. There's just two teams there. NFC, you got the Vikings, like the biggest choke artist, literally, literally the biggest choke artist in football history, and then you have a bunch of. People that the shouldn't Cowboys. even make the playoffs. There's yeah. Cowboys, who are the second biggest choke artist in NFL history. And then you have Tom Brady, who's just sliding into the playoffs, just, just barely, like, just, you know, there's just for the sake of the NFL, like, we need this to happen. It's top heavy. And I think even, you know, even as Vikings fans with the Vikings in the playoffs, I think our expectations oh, are so geez. limited that as a spectator and an enjoyer of football, a San Francisco Philly semifinal and like a Bills Chiefs semifinal would be amazing football to watch yeah. and witness. I, I, I've never been this like humbled by a Vikings team that's so good on paper. By, 13 on wins. They've oh. only won 13 times in their franchise history two other times, yeah. bro. And we're yeah. going into the playoffs with like no expectation. You know, like, you know, this was the second highest yards through the air the Vikings have ever had in their whole existence. This is, this is next to Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper and Chris Carter. We're number two this year right here. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it That's makes amazing. sense. I mean, that yeah. you, this is the first year for the coach and the fact that you guys already have like what you didn't get last year with your old coach, like that's a, you know, that's something to kind of Yeah. Be if, if, about. Only, if only you could like like trade those in for some playoff wins. <laughs> that, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, expectations are little to none. Like they're, they're they don't even exist. Um okay, did I already finish this game or was I just blabbing on for no reason? I was blabbing on for no reason. I haven't even started this game. All right, so the Rams went to go visit the Seahawks, and that was actually a good, exciting game from a rushing standpoint. If you're a fan of them running backs, you love this game. Uh, you know, Seahawks try to give this game away multiple times, but at the end of the day, the Rams are like, nah, man, we ain't about to love you, Smith, this shit. We don't have any picks, but we're still going to lose this game. 
Um, Seahawks pulled it off in overtime, 19 to 16. Ramsey had a classic Ramsey day with two picks and only three catches allowed for 33 yards. Um, huge factor, probably why they ended up winning this game. Uh, Geno Smith had a really quiet, really bad, but still ended up with 15 points, right? Like Herbert's, some of the best days Herbert's had has been around 15 points this year. So like for Geno Smith to have a really bad day and give me 15 points from a fantasy perspective, respect, Geno, respect. Uh, good running day, like I mentioned. Akers went 21 rushes for 104 yards. Welcome back, Akers. Welcome back. He's a stud. Uh, He's actually a good running back. Dude, He's he actually a good running back. He literally got me to the finals. Like, literally. Like, three straight weeks of good points. And I was like, I was running with Pacheco and just randos for a whole year. And at the last glimmer of hope, right before the playoffs, I'm like, Akers just pops out of nowhere. And yeah. Beautiful, magical. Thank you for second place, I guess. Um, <laughs> Akers, 21 for 104. Three catches for and three receptions. Uh Three catches on three targets for 24 yards, which is nice. Nice little boost there. And then Walker, man. Walker's getting into that territory where next year, if you're not getting him in the first round, you're fucking up. 29 carries. I can give you like two other running backs in the NFL that get that. Derrick Henry and Josh Jacobs. Who else gets you 29 carries a game? Nobody. Nobody. And now Walker does. So 114 yards and one catch uh, for 10 yards. You know, if I can get that on a daily basis for my running back, gladly draft him with my eyes closed because the floor is what? The floor is like 15 points at that point. You know, like, you know, whatever. That's enough of Walkering. Um, <laughs> Rocket, on the other hand, you know, I'm never going to draft him. So you, you guys can enjoy him and just I'll be happy for you, like, by proxy. But um, four catches on seven targets for 54 yards and a touchdown. All he did was score touchdowns all year, and he finished the year with one more touchdown. He's a beast, man. Again, he just goes he so unappreciated, under the radar. And I'm like you. I d- why why is it that there's like a group of players that I'm like, you know, they're going to continue to have good years and prospective years, but I'm never personally going to draft that player on my team. And those guys continually like kick me in the ass. They yeah, end up having great years and I'm like, I could have drafted will. them, but I didn't. It's not that you're not drafting them because they suck. You're drafting them because something about them gives you a red flag. You're like, something about this guy. I can't put my finger on it. But then, you know, I, I can kind of put my finger on Lockett. I'm like, he's tiny. Like, he can get hurt at any moment. His injury history is terrible. And he's banking off of this touchdown streak, which theoretically, if you get all the data in NFL history, like, you cannot sustain this many years, this many um, days of touchdowns in a row, right? So, like, that kind of, I'm like, "Eh, it's not going to happen again, is it? It's not going to happen again, is it? And it just keeps happening. So, right? Like, it's things like that. Versus A.J. Brown, you get, like, 15 targets a game. So, you're like, all right, blindly. I will blindly get that on my team. So, I don't know. Well, I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was Geno Smith, and that was like the the Seahawks were the biggest fade if you were drafting. Like, you didn't think outside of Rashad Penny, like no one. Kenneth Walker yeah. was probably someone you got from the waivers. Um, who, yeah, I mean, he's no, he he got drafted. I think he was drafted just he like was, late. He was drafted, he was but late, late, yeah. He was drafted, but Rashad Penny did really well. Some people yeah. may have even dropped him and then yeah. um, picked him up later. But yeah, I think he had a he had a stellar year. My only concern with Walker was that there were times that like he would have, you know touchdowns but then like 50 yards and so i was like maybe he's just not get breaking away um but i think that he's one of those guys as well if he was on your fantasy team yeah he probably did really well all right moving forward to the dallas cowboys at washington to face the commanders uh the dallas was favored by seven points they do not cover that spread and the under hits with the final score of 26 to 6 and Man, you talking about Cowboys shit in the bed. They definitely shit the bed. It, it was ridiculous. Uh, a muffed punt uh, by the kicker, Anger, who uh, just just failed to catch the ball. Turpin has a fumble, has a, a turnover as well on a punt uh, on a punt return. 
Prescott had a pick six. So it, I don't even think it's the commander's defense playing really well either. It's just the Cowboys shit in the bed. And I, I got to wonder if you're a Cowboys fan, like you've got to, you've got to think that this team could win the Super Bowl just because you're a Cowboys fan and you know, with the record. And now you see them losing against the commanders. Like I wonder what some of these Cowboys fans are feeling. And, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the playoffs play out. Cause yeah, I think a lot of hearts are going to be broken if, here. If Dallas. you're not scared, if you're not scared as a Cowboys fan, then you're just bad at football. Like you don't understand this game. Like if, you, if you're thinking that with the same energy you had like a month ago when they were just demolishing people left and right, mm-hmm. like it's not true. You know, this Cowboys team definitely has glaring holes in random places, you know, like there's, there's, they don't have that. They don't have that like juggernaut effect that the Eagles and the 49ers and the, and the bills, even with the record, people aren't really afraid of them. Let's be honest. That, that whole being on Monday night or Sunday night, whatever that was against the Vikings and destroying us kind of, you know, made the general average fan be like, oh my God, the Cowboys are good. But we've seen what's happened since then and that the average fan hasn't seen. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of mistakes, especially from the wide receivers. Like I think at least five of those Prescott t- uh, interceptions are like strictly on the wide receivers. And then Pre- Prescott has this game to kind of like make up for all that. Like, hey, naysayers, look at this. I'm going to destroy his commander's team. Shit's the bed, right? So it's like, which Cowboys team are we going to get in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, the, I think the Cowboys are in a good spot next week because they're. Fa- I don't really believe that this Tom Brady uh, narrative that in the playoffs he's going to be some different guy that we've se- haven't seen already in the seventeen weeks, eighteen, seventeen weeks already, eighteen weeks already. Uh, so I just, I still think that they have a chance to win this game, and that's probably going to bring some momentum back up. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, last thing I want to know on the Commanders is I thought that Jahan Dotson he played pretty well, four targets for seventy-two yards. Another rookie receiver that you need to keep your eye on as Sam Howell, who got the start. And I didn't think he was that bad. 11 for 19, 169 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but 35 yards rushing. To be able to come in and, and play the Cowboys and defeat them, I know it was a defense mainly and just Cowboys just fucking up. But I think that he warrants a start next year over Wentz, over Heineke. There's something to see with this guy. Um, so hopefully, you know, they get that figured out and they get the quarterback situation situation figured out, but, uh, commanders, you know, they win, but they're still out of the playoffs. Um, they'll probably regroup the, in the preseason and Cowboys next week against the Buccaneers. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that was, we, we had to watch this game, right? Cause we were all watching at your yeah. place and it was a bunch of Cowboys fans. That was one of the hardest watches of football. Like they couldn't complete passes. Like they just, they went like spurts of just Dak not completing a pass. Like he was what, 10 for 30. Like it was one of the worst games I've ever seen. And like you said, the commanders were playing for nothing. They started a rookie quarterback who had never played in the NFL. Um, and, and for them to put up this kind of performance heading into the playoffs. Yeah. Tampa Bay is, you know, it's not the same team. It's not the same Tom Brady. If you want to, you know, put it that way, but you know, I, I trust Tom Brady in the playoffs and I trust the Cowboys to shoot themselves in the foot because that's just kind of what history tells us. So, um, I don't know, man, if the past, like you said, was that you and I talking show it where we're like, I haven't noticed Micah Parsons on any play. Like he didn't make a single play. No. Like he was, they didn't even mention his name. I don't even remember his name being mentioned in the game. So like if the pass rush disappears for Dallas, all of a sudden they have nothing, they have nothing else because the corners can't cover. If the pass rush isn't there, the offense at times can disappear, literally disappear. Um, so, I mean, yeah, if you're a Cowboys fan, yeah, unless you're just a Homer, I, you're probably channeling the same mindset as us Vikings fans are where it's like, yeah, we're in the playoffs, but like, what are we really expecting to happen? 
Yeah. It's the same team, man. Just replace all those words with our players' names. It's all the same story. When the pass rush isn't there, the defense can't do shit. The quarterback's throwing this and this. You know, like, it's it's, it's the same story. It's the same team. It's just so funny how it's like this parallel world of, like, our nemesis that we just grew up around. And, like, you know, I had no reason to hate the Cowboys. I was just forced to hate them because of just being this one person around, like, 500 people that love the Cowboys. And they get, like, picked on for being different. Uh, being having a Vikings mindset, so like I've had, I've developed this like defense mechanism against Cowboys fans, um, but it's just so funny like how just all of this plays out. This is like parallel world where they're the exact same team as we are. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's like our own kar- karmic like way of being like, oh, you know, this is your favorite team. You grew up here. Well, you know, your your, your least favorite team is just <laughs> as identical to you as your favorite team. You know, yeah. it's just weird, weird ass shit. All right, let's end the rundown with Sunday Night Football, the matchup that everybody was waiting for. If only Seattle could have lost, but they didn't. So Sunday Night Football, the Lions traveled to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers, merely playing spoilers where the Packers needed a win and they were going to lock up that seven seed. The Lions eliminated because Seattle won, only playing for bragging rights and heading into 2023. The Lions getting no respect, four and a half point underdogs. They didn't need the points. They won the game outright 20 to 16. The Lions finish above 500 and eliminate Green Bay from playoff contention. Not to mention the Lions are going to be drafting 6th overall and 18th overall. So two first-round picks for a team that's already heading in the right direction. The future is bright for Detroit and Dan Campbell. Green Bay, not so much. They're drafting 15th overall with their entire future in flux because who the hell knows what Aaron Rodgers is going to do. That 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 guy is as, you know, like as aloof, if that's the right word, where like I have no idea what the hell he's going to do this offseason. He, you know, did you guys see the uh, the interaction with Jameson Williams where he asked for his jersey and he's like, I'm going to hold on to this one. And, you know, he's he's such a – Rodgers to me is such a narrative and shit creator, like instigator, yeah. that that could have literally meant nothing. He probably has like full force – the intention to play next season, but yeah. on the off chance that something happens this off season where he's like, you know, I get an opportunity and I don't have to play. I want to make sure that I cherish this. So I think he's just leaving everything in the open or, you know, all the cards on the table. Um, but do you guys really think Aaron Rodgers is done playing football? No, I don't think so. I think he should be. I think he, I don't, he, I don't think he should be either. I don't think he, he played really well this year. I think that played he, with rookie wide receivers and Robert Tunyon throwing the ball to him. I mean, like getting the ball thrown to him. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to get too deep into this, but he's still the best quarterback I have ever seen in my life. So it's hard to like just automatically just call him shit. You know what I mean? Like it's it's hard because I didn't see like pick sixes thrown badly. I didn't see like I still saw very much the same Rodgers. I just saw a lot of Romeo Dobbs drops and a lot of Christian Watson drops that could have changed everything. You know what I mean? Like it's just hard to 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 judge his play this year with with this like totally random team. But I think towards the end we saw what it could be, you know, like they started winning almost every game and they almost won this game. So I don't think he's done playing football, but he does love being the bad man, right? Like he loves that narrative. He just probably jerks off to himself in front of a mirror when he gets home. Like he's that guy. He is literally like, he just loves the hate. He just, he's, he is the bad man. And like, and now he's just playing on that role. And now he knows he has content for his podcast every Tuesday with, um, you know, what's his name? Punter from the Colts. Uh, Right. So like he's, you know, he's a smart guy. He's also really good at football, but he understands this is towards the end of his career. He's not going to just play just to play. Kind of like what LeBron's been saying lately. Like, you know, like random games aren't it. If, you're, if he's going to play, he's going to be playing with, you know, um, Devonta Adams in Raiders land probably and probably going to force them to sign Hopkins. Like, that's the kind of shit I see happening if Rodgers is going to play, but I don't see him like going to the Titans and trying to like revive 
some random team. But it's hard to say that he's done playing football. And it's also hard to say that he should be done playing football. Yeah, I just don't think that the Packers are going to give him the help that they need because, like, they're they're they won't. They never have. They never will. What? Like twenty years to do, and they haven't. So obviously, history tells us they're probably not going to. Right. So for that reason, I mean, he's just going to be playing. Like you said, LeBron James is going to be playing to play, and so if they need to focus on something, they definitely need to focus on their defense. Now, if they can get Hopkins, you know, that changes things up a little bit. But if they can't get that receiver, they've got to expect the Watson and Dobbs of their team to really step up. And does Aaron Rodgers really want to go through that? And that's why I'm saying uh yeah he should probably just call it quits just for the sake of why what's the purpose yeah i mean he definitely still has something left to prove talent wise we've talked about it. he's one of the best of all time but again he only in in all of the years that the packers you know continue to win 13 games every single year they win the division basically right every single year they're in the playoffs his his playoff track record is not to the caliber of you know the talent that he puts on the field. Like we agree that he's more talented than Tom Brady, but in the playoffs, Tom Brady always wins. And Aaron Rodgers has only won one time. Right. Every but, other time he's choked. Just remove Tom Brady from this conversation. Cause he's an anomaly. He's a goat. He's the greatest of all time. Remove him from this conversation. Now we're talking with like, like people that are just like Aaron Rodgers. Now we're comparing to like Drew Brees, you know, just one title, right? Like the conversation becomes really, really more clear cut when you remove Tom Brady from it because we're so used to just comparing everything to Tom Brady. And it, at this point, it's very unfair to like compare a lot of these players to him or like, you know, it just because it's so unattainable. It's just he's like a god now. He's like solidified himself as literally the god that no one will ever touch, no matter how great Mahomes is. I don't see him getting seven championships. So, if we if we take away the Tom Brady aspect and just look at Rodgers compared to everybody else around him, he's still superior to all those other guys, even though they have like maybe one more Super Bowl than them. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it, it gets murky. It gets really murky. This whole conversation gets really murky because it's so hard to win a Super Bowl, first of all, versus like the NBA where you can win every year because you have all these players. So it's like it's difficult. It's, playoffs is a whole different animal. That's why we love this so much is because it's so exciting. It's so rare when things happen because it doesn't happen very often. There's really – really rare repeats. But then when you bring the Patriots into the conversation, then everything gets skewed because now we're comparing everything to what the Patriots have done. And it's just not possible. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Even if we remove Tom Brady from the equation, right? Let's remove Tom Brady from the equation. Inferior quarterbacks have won Super Bowls more. Russell Wilson, uh, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, even Matthew Stafford, a guy that before this past year, we would have deemed as a mediocre average at best, maybe above average arm talent. He won a Super Bowl, right? So I, 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 Eli Manning won too, and I get that it's a team sport, but you're consistently in the playoffs every year, so you're giving your team better opportunities than 22 other teams that don't make the playoffs, right? And has Rodgers had a year where he's been fully healthy and the team hasn't made the playoffs? I can't really think of a year. It's probably an anomaly. So, and and again, we look at this guy as one of the best, if not the most talented quarterback of all time. I just think he needs more to his resume. And this was this was something so small, but they could have just won this game at home against the Detroit Lions and made the playoffs. And yeah. Rodgers had a terrible game. He he did not play well. And so this was a small stepping stone just to make the playoffs. And in, in a you know in a must-win situation, they're gonna rely on the best player on the team, which is Aaron Rodgers. And again, they didn't get it done. So um, I don't know. The defense only held the Lions, who are the third best offense in the league to 20 points. Rodgers had the opportunity to win this football yeah. game for this team, and he didn't do it at home. Agreed. At home. Absolutely so. agree. He should have he should have won this. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't think football is over for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I think he's going to be very, very selective whether he stays with Green Bay if they don't get any more help. Like He's not going to spend a whole offseason or a whole year and a half getting chemistry with rookie receivers, right? He probably wants to go to a better situation. So, yeah, the Raiders make a lot of sense. But, 
you know, Rogers is the evil villain. He's the narrative feeder. So how much, how bad is it going to look on him that he knew that his best friend was going to leave the team and he was okay with it. And now he's chasing after his best friend. Cause he realized Isn't it crazy. Isn't it crazy yeah. how the whole thing played out? Yeah. Pretty wild. He, he's, he's realizing that without his best friend, Oh wait, this quarterback that we think is the most talented player quarterback, arguably of all time is all of a sudden looks kind of human. So, uh, I, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, we, we've lived with Aaron Rodgers in our division for almost 20 years. So like yeah. we witnessed such greatness and he's so good that we can't hate him because of the respect he, you know, demands. Right. And so with that respect also comes, you know, in a game, in a must win game at home against the Detroit lions who've been your, you know, little, little brothers yeah. for two decades, surely you can come away victorious, but to put up 16 points, throw one touchdown, one interception, you know, again, Rodgers, if you go back to his uh, game logs, and I, I, the only reason I know this is I continue to believe in Rodgers and bet on him every week to throw more than one and a half touchdown passes. There are more games this year where he's thrown less than two touchdown passes than any other season in his career, right? Yeah, so the, the game script is just not in his favor either. They run the ball so fucking much this year. I, I don't know why they do that. Maybe because the receivers suck and he, they had to change something up early on and then they established this running team. They're like one of the most running teams in the league with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. So it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense. Like I agree with you, dude. I, this whole season has been this like experiment to see what would happen. And then it kind of ticked like halfway through it and they kind of ran with it, but a little too late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, again, it's going to make for a great off season. There's a lot of big name quarterbacks that are, you know, for sure on the move in flux more than likely going to get moved. So uh, it'll make for a uh, monumental shift in the NFL heading into 2023, in my opinion. That's it for the rundown, guys. A week where a lot of games didn't matter. And for us, it's still, you know, an hour and 20 minutes in and we can never stop talking because that's how much we love football. Let's end the episode giving out our end of the year fantasy football awards. Um, you know what? Let's change it up. I always start things off. Shashot, you start us off with your first award uh, to right. end the season. <clears throat> so this is the Herbert C. Hoover Award. Can you guys take a guess who this would be? Well, so... Herbert obviously makes me think it's Justin Herbert or Khalil Herbert, but, no, but you, but you a, know me, you know me. Yeah, but there's a reason you added C Hoover. Like what you put Herbert C Hoover, like you put the whole name, you put the middle initial. So I'm like, there's gotta be more to it than that. Um, and after I get to that train of thought, I have no answers for you. So I have the same. Yeah. I am also drawing a blank. I mean, he's a president. president. Yeah. Um, something president. Yeah, you guys are good. This, it's not that deep, but it's kind of deep in a different way, but you guys are good at this. You're getting better. Um, okay. I'll just tell you since it looks like we're out of standstill. Okay. So what is that name? What do you get out of that name? So you got, you went with the Herbert part, but you didn't go with the Hoover part. Damn. He's a damn. The no, damn. no. What else? What else does Hoover? Hoover? I don't know. It's like the third leading brand in this household appliance. Hoover? I honestly don't know. I do not. Vacuum cleaner. There's a Hoover vacuum? Am I tripping right now? Did I just do all this for nothing? No, you're right. There is Hoover vacuum. Yeah, there's Hoover. It should be third leading after Dyson and Shark. It should be Hoover. Shark. Okay. So the third leading. Yeah, the third. Yeah. No, it's not. That was just part of it. That's not why. (laughs) It's just Hoover. So Hoover. Is a vacuum cleaner. And what do vacuum cleaners do? They suck shit up. They suck. They <laughs> suck. So the Herbert C. Hoover Award goes to four players, and I'll just let you guys pick who gets this trophy, okay? Russell Wilson, Kyle Pitts, Alvin Kamara, or Deontay Johnson. Pick. Oh. 
God, it, uh, I mean, it's honestly, kinda... it can't be Pitts. Pitts got hurt. Even though he's underwhelming, I don't think it's Pitts. I don't think it's Kamara. Um, at this point, I'm like, Deontay Johnson is kind of who he is. So, like, my personal expectations are, of him are not very high. So, that doesn't disappoint me. To me, Russell Wilson is the most deserving with how much money he got paid. You know, he didn't drop off last year. He got hurt. He was still playing at the same level. And then all of a sudden, you see him be like the the, the shittiest quarterback in the NFL. Like, that Absolutely. to me is the epitome of it. To me, it's Kamara because the way the where he got drafted is probably top 10. And the production that you got was nowhere near top 10 results. And so Russell Wilson is probably like an eighth round, ninth round guy that you get, maybe even later. Um, and so I'm, it's okay if Russell Wilson doesn't mess up, does, doesn't produce. But if Kamara doesn't produce and you draft him where you did, then you're kind of... Uh, yeah, you get ninth luck. place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are... Th- that's really good explanations for both of them. Kamara was 18th in running backs this year. So did not expect that, right? Yeah. All right, shove it up next, or is Sweetheart going to go next? No, shove it, you go. Okay, so my award name is going to be the Fantasy Guru Award. It goes to me. Just <laughs> kidding. Um, I don't know. Um, Fantasy Guru? Yeah, Austin he, Eckler? Austin he, Eckler. He, it's, it's, that's a good one, but it's not Austin Eckler. Eckler. Sweetheart, any... The only reasonable answer after that is Justin Jefferson. That's he's also a good guru, but CMC. This, this is a guy that sets himself apart from everybody else. Patrick like, Mahomes. No one it's else CMC. compares to this guy, and it's Travis Kelsey. All right, oh. Travis Kelsey, tight end number one. He had um, you know three hundred six point five uh, fantasy points this year. The next guy has two hundred fifteen point four fantasy points, and the next guy is actually Hawkinson. So, you know, if you drafted Kelsey over any of these other tight ends, like, you know, your Kittles or whatever, I think you're, uh, you know, Kelsey, you've got to be happy with that production. Well, well, wait, how many points different is Hawkinson from Kelsey? Over almost like 90 points. Yeah, yeah 90, 90 points. points. What week did we get Hawkinson from the Lions? Week nine or something. We'll get into that. I actually, let, let's not spoil or anything because I have some more Hawkinson talk later. Interesting. But, you, know, you, guys, you guys are double digits. Interesting things stop, in stop, play right stop now. Stop this train of thought and <laughs> immediately end this right now. All right. Okay. Your turn. Uh, all right. So your fantasy guru went to Kelsey. Understandable, man. He's so far beyond the best tight end. And like, again, he's another guy because he goes in the first round that I'm like, God damn, do I want to spend the capital on a tight end in the first round? But all he does is produce. And he's just yeah. so much better than the next best guy that it's always a value to draft him. And um, I say all that. And next year, I'm more than likely probably not going to draft him. So. No, you're going to draft him. He's going to get hurt. That's what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, it, it's, it's that's usually what happens. All right, my first award is the cliff diver. The cliff diver, which means he fell off a cliff big time. It's got to be Russell Wilson. Yeah, obviously it's fucking Russell Wilson. I have to double dip. It was the cliff diver award for Russell Wilson, who finishes the year as quarterback 16. Um, and you're right, Chauvin, you make a great point about, you know, ADP is important when you evaluate how well uh, a season turns out for a player, right? And Russell Wilson was probably the ninth or 10th maybe the ninth, eighth or ninth quarterback that gets drafted in fantasy football this past year, but he finishes his QB 16. He has, you know, for the first eight to 10 games, you know, maybe one top 20 quarterback finish. So like, you know, it wasn't even like there were weeks where he was going to surprise you and do well. It wasn't until the very fucking end of the season that he even had a decent performance. So, uh, you know, for a guy that coming into the season, his draft 
where he where his ADP was, I personally felt like had insane amounts of value because you're getting all these quarterbacks and you have Russell Wilson falling as like the ninth quarterback when he statistically put up top five fantasy quarterback finishes almost every year he plays. I thought the value was there and he's going into an offense that already has solidified receivers. That has a great defense. He's the missing piece. And for him to just completely poo poo the bed, um, you know, he might as well, you know, this season have changed his profession to a professional cliff diver because that dude fell off the biggest cliff I've personally seen in recent memory. Now, now hedging myself, that's suffice to say with the Hackett firing heading into next season, is there a chance he can be dramatically better? Yes, because he was so fucking bad that it's not hard to be slightly better than this. But do I think, do I think we've personally seen the best of Russell Wilson behind us? I do. I do personally yeah. think that, well, but I think he sure. can definitely regain some of that magic and not be the shit show that he was this year, but he gets my cliff diver award. Cause you know, there's nobody that fell off a bigger cliff. Absolutely. We're seeing Tom Brady kind of fall off a little bit. We're seeing Aaron Rodgers kind of fall off a little bit. Russell Wilson's the next guy up, right? Yep. All right. My award is called, you want to see me do it again? Award. That's definitely Austin Eckler. No, it's not. Jalen Hurts? Nope. Well, I guess I should have said the whole thing. Want to see me score touchdowns? Want to see me do it again? That's what because of the first part, I thought it was Austin Eckler, but who am I? Who who is it? Jamal Williams. So no, there's three players. I'm just gonna tell you. Um well this award, what this means is not multiple touchdowns in a game. That would be Adams. He led the league in multiple touchdowns per game. Uh but the person the what this award means is you scored a lot of touchdowns in your regular team, then you got traded to a new team, and you weren't supposed to do so well, right? But then you did it again. And there's three players that get this award. Three nominees. Uh, the nominees are A.J. Brown with 11 touchdowns. Tyreek Hill with eight touchdowns. And Devontae Adams with 14 touchdowns. That's only three less than when he had Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers fell off completely without Adams. Adams said, let's do it again. Yeah. those, I mean, those are all great names because those are the three biggest receivers in the off season that had moved. Right. And again, like you said, speculation season begins and you're like, okay, quarterback is inferior to who they were playing with last year. So naturally their stats are going to regress, but the, the last couple of seasons, I feel like the receiving position, the wide receiver position has shown so much value that, you know, they're the, you know, three to five big, most, uh, valuable position, you know, outside of quarterback and, uh, probably offensive tackle and cornerback, right. It's wide receiver. And, you know, look at these three teams and look at the teams that they left and all of them, I guess outside of Tyreek Hill, but he has, a, he was playing with the best quarterback of all time. AJ Brown. Did he, did he get more? He, he did. He did. But obviously Mahomes' production didn't fall off either. Right. So that's an anomaly. AJ Brown left the Tennessee Titans yeah. and, you know, they they could have desperately used a receiver. Yeah. Adams leaves the Packers and Aaron Rodgers would beg. He would be on his knees begging for a, a, a receiver like Devontae Adams. So the value that the receiving position has, you know, uh, exemplified the last several years. I mean, again, Jefferson's going to get an insane contract. You have all, Jamar Chase. You have all these receivers continuing to funnel in that are just insane. Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. So again, the receiving position is the best in my opinion it's ever been. And you know, these three guys are the cream of the crop and all they did was leave their team, provide you, you know, question questions as to where, whether they were going to produce again. And they put all that shit to bed because all they did was just be themselves and produce incredible. 
incredible. And I, I, I remember we did the wide receiver ranking episode and I was down on Adams and Hill for this exact reason. And I know Shashot, you weren't as down on Adams at all. And it, it was again, actually pretty close. I was like five, you were like six. It wasn't okay. that big of a difference. Chauvin was higher up on Hill than both of us. Yep. I, don't, I don't think Chauvet even ranked A.J. Brown. For, if he I didn't. Remember I remember that. I remember no. Chauvet wasn't as high on A.J. Brown. But for me, the whole Adams thing was like a hand-in-hand thing to Derek Carr. And Derek Carr still didn't end up having a top-10 quarterback season that like you would have expected with Adams putting up these numbers, right? But it was just an anomaly that Carr can make Adams have a great year, top-five fantasy finish, and still Derek Carr's not a top-10 fantasy yeah. quarterback. Like Those two things can coexist, and I didn't think they could. Yeah, Derek yeah. Carr's no Kirk Cousins every every year in the top-10. He's no Kirk yeah. Cousins. He's not. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I um, guess I'm up next. Um, my next award is going to be Let Me Win You Your Fantasy League Award. Justin Jefferson. No, it's not Justin. Tony Pollard. No, it's not Tony Pollard either. But it is another running back. CMC. It's not. That's a good one. It's not CMC, but it's the next guy from CMC, which is Austin Eckler. Okay, goddamn! I just, uh, I was like, I said his name too many times. It's like, it's not <laughs> it, it is, it is Austin Eckler. You know, Eckler is just a people's guy. You know, and first of all, like he cares about your fantasy team, so that he already, you, you can already feel confident drafting Austin Eckler. But uh, this, and the, and the thing is, like, if it's it's Austin Eckler in half point PPR and PPR, but like standard, it's Josh Jacobs, right? But in half point PPR, I mean, it was targets after targets. He finishes RB number one, um, and. The crazy thing is he only had 100 rush, rushing yards, um, 200 games over 100 rushing yards in the season, um, but he had four games of 32 or more points. So, I mean, he had just a solid PPR game, and it was just a dump-off fest to Eckler. So, uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a league winner for sure. I mean, when you're a running back and you're getting 107 receptions, it's like a dream like- come true. That is a dream. That is a dream for fantasy football. 107 catches for a running back. That's unheard of. Incredible. I mean, the guy defies all odds. I I thought the touchdown regression was real. He just went from 20 to 17. 18 so or 17. 18 or something. Yeah, 19. Not even a real regression whatsoever. So Eckler, man. Again, we talked about it. Show it. It was an episode. I think show you weren't here. But like, how much fun is it to have a guy like Eckler who is like so visibly committed to fantasy football and like doing well for fantasy football owners plays fantasy football. All he does is talk about fantasy football. Like there's not a better player that you would want to draft because he cares. He cares. And that's like the biggest thing. It's like an era where we see all these players saying, I give two fucks about your fantasy team and tweeting that out. Eckler's like, nah, man, I'm going to win you a championship. And what does he do? He just delivers. Like he's the MVP of fantasy football, in my opinion. All right. My second award is the odd man out, not this year, award. Odd man out, not this year. So that means it's it's somebody that typically doesn't do well, but they did. Oh, Gino. Gino, yeah. Gino Smith? No, it's a, that's a great guess. It, it, it's actually going to go to a group, and this, this uh, award goes to the 2022 rookie wide receiver class because we had a draft class where again, this was the first year we like extensively covered preseason and the NFL draft. And my God, guys, like we were talking about receivers that are all absolutely studs. Chris Olave, stud. Garrett Wilson, stud. Drake London, stud. Pickens, 
stud. Dotson, stud. Christian Watson, stud. Yeah. Traylon Burks is honestly a stud. His quarterback is just so bad. Yeah. And like, you know, the only guys that don't make that list are guys who are like Jameson Williams was hurt, right? And he's already freakishly fast. So like the jury's not out on him. Sky Moore, I will say like he was a little bit of a disappointment to me just because I thought the Chiefs could really use him. But again, Mahomes proves that he can have Justin Watson on the field and he can make catches, you know, like it doesn't matter who's out there. And um, but outside of that, there's not a receiver that truly like busted. And so it's incredible. The depth of this receiving class, it's going to probably go down at this trajectory as one of the best receiving classes of all time. So there was truly no odd man out this year. You drafted a receiver and more than likely they ended up becoming a stud for your team. Nice. Well-deserved, well-deserved award. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Um, head honcho award. I think we've already mentioned these names, but I got three names. Can you t- can you guess who these three names are? Head Honcho, Austin Eckler. Uh, uh, yeah. Josh Jacobs. C- CMC. Three players from three different positions. They're the head honcho, not the second. Uh, positions. Josh okay. Allen. Travis Kelsey, Justin Jefferson. Travis Kelsey, Justin Jefferson, Eckler. Those three guys. Touchdown regression didn't exist, right? I have that written down right here. Thanks for saying that out loud before I said that. <laughs> Um, Justin Jefferson, I mean, what more do you want from a receiver, right? He doesn't get the touchdowns, but you get volume more than any volume I've ever seen in my life. Just so happens to be on your, happens to be on your own team, which is great to see. Um, and then Kelsey, you know, ADP, like he should be number one ADP. Like let's stop fucking around, right? Like what, what, (laughs) at what point are you like going against the evidence? At what point are you the idiot? Right. So me, I'm the idiot. I'm all, I'm the idiot. So am I. I look at this and I'm like, (laughs) In Kelsey's entire career, I have not had him on my fantasy team one time, bro. There's not been a single season I've had Travis Kelsey. Wow. That's pretty wild. I had the I had the Mahomes Kelsey stack last year. Could not complain. Did not complain. Like at what point am I an idiot? Like I just refuse to draft yeah, the best tight end that we've arguably ever seen. Like Yeah, it's it's a very deserving award. Again, these names just continue to be repetitive just because these guys are the outliers in fantasy football and they deserve the recognition. So that's a good award. Head on, Joe. So my award, this is going to be a little bit of a surprise, is called the Letdown Award. Oh, man. Mm. Letdown? Jonathan It's Najee. I can tell by the sadness in his face. It's it's not Najee. (laughs) It's actually, you know, you asked a very good question earlier. You said, what more do you want? And you know what I wanted? I wanted a fan. The, uh, Deontay. Stop no, talking. It is, <laughs> Deontay. it is Justin Jefferson. Okay. What? It's Justin Jeff- Jefferson. Because, oh. because in week 17, that is most people's finals, right? That's the week that you, you, you've reaped the best of Justin Jefferson throughout the whole year. And you're like, you know, winning, getting the most points. And then Justin Jefferson in the last final last week just doesn't show up, you know, and, and, Partly due to the Packers like defense. This. And I don't like this <laughs> argument. And it's not fair. This isn't a fair argument. It's up to you to stack up the best team you can stack up to win the game. Did your other team players show up? Was he the only reason you didn't make it? I mean, he's not the only reason, but he's definitely one of the reasons. I mean, he's the number the guy that I went and drafted like number five overall this year. You know, I expect him in my fantasy to produce and give me the oh, win. So the personal, let the me personal. Down. 
It's a personal vendetta. This isn't an objective <laughs> award. This is a personal Here, award. Here's why it makes sense. Because Justin Jefferson's are, if he's on your team, right, chances are you, you're in the finals, right? Like a lot of people that have Justin Jefferson, if they drafted well, you know, you, you've got the Jeffersons, you've got the Kelsey, you've got, you probably don't have Ecuador because that's, that's too much. But if you have that, then you're in the finals and you expect him to, you know, give you points and only like, you know, five or seven points uh, in the, in the finals. He let me down, so he gets Damn, let down. Chris Godwin with seven points. I'd be licking my chops in like week eight. <laughs> yeah, it, it, It's tough to hear because he had a historic season, shattered like every Vikings record, yeah. and was unbelievable. But you're not wrong. In the fi- fantasy finals, he was probably the biggest you know, non-performer out of a stud player that you can find. And so um, it's that... You know, I, I hate it. I hate it, every it second of this. It was a bad game, man. It, it's not his fault. He didn't drop any passes, right? Like, it's not like, it's just yeah. the game script went out of hand yeah. and shit just went crazy. But I mean, yeah. you know, he's not a guy that you don't start, right? You, you do. Yeah, of course not. Yeah. He's you a take that. Star. You know, Build a better oh, roster around him so this doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm explaining. That sucks. That sucks. I know. That's what happened to me, man. That's, that's what happened to me, but whatever. I can't, I'm not as upset because this shit happens all the time. Like, just. Good players will sometimes just not do well. What are you going to do? Justin Jefferson listens to our podcast after breaking every record, and he gets the letdown of the year award. The letdown <laughs> award. And he's like, what the fuck are of you the year. What are I'm you guys fucking... smoking? Dude, Russell Wilson should be walking out here with two awards right now. I know. Of the year is kind of a stretch. I agree. It's not of the yeah. year. Because you three. You know, Justin Jefferson leads gets you to there, that promise yeah. land, the okay. finals. But, uh, yeah. you know, once you're there, you it's like the, you know, yeah, yeah, it's just it's, a luck out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I get where you're coming from. Um, sucks. All right. Yeah. So I'm going to wrap up our award segment with my final award, and this award is called the Kelsey of the Year. The Kelsey of the Year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know who it is. It's Hawkinson. <laughs> it's fucking TJ motherfucking Hawkinson who finishes as tight end two this year. Kelsey, obviously number one, the point differential, 261 for Kelsey, 172 for Hawk. So again, 90 plus points almost difference between the number one and number two tight end. But here's kind of the underlying stuff that's a little bit intriguing heading into 2023. Obviously, Hawkinson had a better year than uh, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, better than Darren Waller, better than Kyle Pitts, right? And... What are the possibilities for Travis Kelsey if he had played the entire season with the Minnesota Vikings versus the Detroit Lions? Well, I'll tell you guys. So in his seven games with the Detroit Lions to start the season, his average targets per game, 6.1. In the, what, nine games that he played with Minnesota, his average targets, 9.4, right? That's over three more targets a game for this tight end who, again, had weeks where he scored 29.4 fantasy points, had a week where he scored 35.9 fantasy points, but... Here's the other kicker. Outside of those two weeks, he only had two weeks where he had double digits and everything else was single digits. So you probably want to extrapolate that over a whole season and want to see more consistency versus like huge boom and huge bust weeks. But he is going into an offense that, you know, on the surface, seems like they utilize him more. Detroit became a better offense after they traded Hawkinson. So whatever his role was in that offense, just quite frankly, wasn't fitting. So give Hawkinson a whole season with KOC, with Kirk Cousins in this offense. And to me, if he stays healthy with how much they threw him the football and the target share that he got, he is he is basically a guaranteed top three fantasy finish, in my opinion, if he does not get hurt. Because they have nobody else. We saw what Thielen has become. KJ Osborne has come onto the scene. But again, this team wants to be a throwing first football team, and they utilize 
uh, Hawkinson the way that, you know, they did the last five or six weeks heading into next year. To me, TJ Hawkinson is the biggest threat to Travis Kelsey's throne. Okay. Bold statements. And I agree with a lot of it, but you have to remember those four players you mentioned outside of them. There's something that went wrong with each of those, right? Correct. Pitts got hurt, right? Um, who else? Mark Andrews got hurt and Lamar Jackson died. And then who else do we have here? Who are the Kittle, other? Kittle, Kittle Waller. going around rotating quarterbacks all year long. Waller played like three games, right? So now all those players are going to be back in the picture and we're going to be going through the same motion again. But the reason I'm, you know, for this conversation is because I've seen enough. Like I know what my quarterback can do and I've seen what has elevated his game. And that's having this big, fat, huge, fast piece of man right in the middle of the field, like 10 yards down. And you're telling me this man is a second look after the best receiver in football. Like sign me up. Like I will take that. If, if Justin Jefferson's not open, the ball is going to Hawkins. Like that's yep. just, that's just how the offense is run. And if you're telling me that that's bet, that's not as good as like, you know, these Kittles out there and these Wallers competing with like shitty quarterback situations and all that stuff. None of that exists. We have a stable quarterback situation. We have an elite receiver and we have our second weapon. Who is that guy? So that clearly just shoots them up above all those other ifs ands, possible injury situations. It's clearly number two. Like, you know, like Andrews is the only one. If Lamar Jackson comes back, I don't care how healthy Lamar Jackson is. He's going to throw the ball to Andrews until they get more wide receivers. It's done. It's Hawkinson. Now it's not, it's no more those other guys. Yeah, I mean, again, Kittle has, we already named all the players that he plays with. He's already like the fifth weapon on the team. You know, he's not right. even getting the first look, the second the look, even the third. Yeah, exactly. And you look at Waller, he's he's become injury prone, right? Obviously, when he came back onto the scene, he looked really good. Like the latter half of the season, I'm pretty impressed. And it's going to, you know, his stock's going to rise because of that. But there's no guarantee that he's not going to get hurt again. And now, again, as a tight end, he's taking a beating and he heads into a year when he's where he's another year older. Pitts, who the fuck is his quarterback, right? And until he he has a legitimate quarterback until the Falcons prove that when they have freak athletes on the outside, they know how to get them the football. Like there's no stock in Kyle Pitts. So yeah, like you said, show what's the one constant we're going to feed Hawkinson the football. We've already made that clear outside of Justin Jefferson. There's nobody else really. So Hawkinson is the guy. And for that reason, again, dynasty leagues heading into drafts next year, Hawkinson should be skyrocketing uh, atop this tight end boards. So he gets my Kelsey of the year award because he's not quite Kelsey, but he has a chance to be. Can't you, can't you like remember that time where I dropped him and I picked him back up like a week later? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. isn't that oh, yeah. crazy? Not in, in retrospect, like yeah, it's crazy. It's the yeah. fucking fantasy season. It's so wild. And then the tight end position, right? Like he yeah. had a string of single digit games, so it's yeah. not like the drop dropped wasn't warranted. <laughs> yeah, he dropped his ass because that's what tight ends are. But and then he got thirty three. He, he, he was <laughs> dropping passes and things like that. Yeah. And then you know you guys just figured out a way to make it work. Yep. So that is the final award, guys. And that wraps up a long, long episode where we recapped all of week 18. Do you guys have any final words as the yeah. regular season comes to an end? Yeah, I had one award that I didn't write down here. It was called the Old Yeller Award, just for funsies. Could you guys guess who that is and oh, why? No, you, somebody killed somebody off. Like, just he's done. Like, his career's over. Yeah. He's been killed off. He just, I don't know. Who is he's it? Just, he's there for moral support and love. Oh, no. It's Adam oh, Thielen. Oh, oh, no. Thank you, Old Yellow. You've always been my favorite, but, you know, you know how this goes. Yeah, yeah. that's sad. It, it's, it is sad. I mean, and it, the, the advanced numbers uh, 
support it, right? He can't get separation anymore. Like he was an amazing route runner and that's why he got separation. Now he can't get separation and he became touchdown dependent. And when he can't get separation, now he's not scoring his touchdowns either. So his fantasy numbers just took a huge dive. And yep. again, emergence of TJ, emergence of KJ, possibly that just means Thielen goes down and down in the pecking order. And for an aging wide receiver, a 20 plus million dollar cap hit next year. I don't think so. so yeah. He doesn't have he, a day. He might even not be a Viking heading into next yeah, year. He doesn't have a day. It's just TJ, AJ, or TJ, yeah, JJ, true. and KJ. This, What's this his middle name? He should be AJ if he had a J middle name, but he probably doesn't. Hey, but you know what uh, rhymes with all of that is DeAndre. So, hey, you guys could be in the mix oh for Hopkins. Stop it. So, Stop hey. it. We're not getting Hopkins. If we got Hopkins, Don't it would be over, but we're not getting Hopkins. Don't do this. Um, that is it guys. That's the episode. Thank you guys so much for sticking through it. Hope you had a successful fantasy football season, hoisted that trophy. If not, hopefully you learned a lot and you're ready to start the off season heading into 2023 fantasy football season. Obviously fantasy football is over. That doesn't mean you can't play DFS. That doesn't mean you can't play on prize pick underdog, do all that cool stuff for the playoffs. Um, but again, we're not going anywhere. Playoffs are around. We're going to recap or preview the first round probably on Friday. Again, I'm Sweetcar. That's the show. That is Chauvet. We are the only playbook. Thank you guys for sticking through another long-winded episode. Have a fantastic week.